Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From his undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. A father facing deportation is taking refuge this morning inside a Phoenix church. Jesus Baroness has been ordered to surrender to immigration officials today. His five-year-old son is battling leukemia, and his wife is five months pregnant. Manuel Bohorkas is at the Phoenix church that opened its doors to Baroness. Manuel, good morning. Good morning. It's not the first time this church has housed an undocumented immigrant. Six other people have reportedly sought shelter here since 2014. Jesus Baronis is the latest. He's asking ICE not to deport him a third time. Sonia Baronis, five months pregnant, now worries about finding a job to make ends meet. Have you thought about what it would be like to have to say goodbye to him? It's going to be hard. Well, it went on like this for many hours, as we said. She said a lot of things, but one thing Pelosi said was striking. Listen as she describes how her grandson badly wishes he were of a different race. Watch. I'm reminded of um, my own grandson. He had a very close friend. His name is Antonio, who's from Guatemala. And he has beautiful tan skin, beautiful brown eyes, and the rest. And um, this was such a proud day for me because when... My grandson blew out the candles on his cake. They said, did you make a wish? And he said, yes, I made a wish. He said, well, what is your wish? He said, I wish I had brown skin and brown eyes like Antonio. (laughs) So beautiful. So beautiful. The beauty is in the mix. Where are we and how do we get here and how do we get out of this? I don't know how we we got. Well, you've sort of been watching it happen and, and here we are and. It's uh, it's it's a clash of clans first thing in the morning every day, you know, where people are just going to war about about so much. Uh, you know, it's it's interesting when this kind of movement happens, this kind of thing happens. It creates all kinds of uh, sort of compost and fertilizer to make the next stage happen. You know, so obviously things swing back and forth and they go this way or that. But it's what people do in that moment of not reacting, but observing it and seeing it that changes. You know, so a lot of people felt like, okay, when this new politic comes now, that that's it's going to make a new opportunity to uh, to 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 join some people together. You know, it's how can there be someone like we're talking about who you like, like someone like Kristen Wiig? That's really a funny person. How can Kristen Wiig make everyone laugh? She's not thinking about being political. She's thinking about what resonates and what is common to all of us. Yeah. I think that that's harder and harder to do because people are trying to come, you know, trying to win their point of view as opposed to to saying, "What if I spoke to everyone?" You know, my friend, who's a great comedy writer, Jim Downey, he's accused of being a right-wing writer, a comedy writer, if there is such a thing, sort of. And, he says, no, no, I just think the way that the Democrats handle things is poor, the way they try to pick out little pieces of a population that, well, we're, we represent the Hispanics, we represent the LGBT or something. And they're not speaking to everyone at once. And it's almost demeaning to say, I'm choosing you because you're a, a splinter group or you're a certain minority group. That There's almost a resentment that somehow you're separated again by a politician. You know, that you're my people. Oh, you're, I'm in control of you and I represent you. Instead of thinking that each each citizen has a right to be respected 
as a citizen first, someone under the laws of the country. And later, North Korea's brutal dictator welcomes his sister home from the Olympics as intelligence agencies try to assess if North Korea's attempts to manipulate world public opinion actually paid off. There's much more uh, news coming in, including the sister of the North Korean dictator Kim Jong-un returns home after an attempted charm offensive in South Korea. Did the brutal regime score any propaganda points at the Winter Olympic Games? Did the North Korean propaganda campaign have any serious impact? It did have an impact, Wolf, but officials are telling us don't be fooled by a lot of this propaganda. With a military officer hailing their return and bands playing, Kim Jong-un's sister and her delegation returned from their charm offensive at the Olympics. After briefing Kim on their trip, his sister Kim Yo-jong is photographed holding her brother's arm. The other top North Korean delegate to the games, Kim Yong-nam, is holding the leader's hand. Kim seems to have accomplished that goal, analysts say, but they believe he's also manipulated the South Koreans to an extent and tried to manipulate world attention away from the vicious realities inside North Korea. I think the conversation now has been on Kim Yo-jung's presence and the cheerleaders and the athletes. Not about the gulags that are still in North Korea. Not about the 25 missiles that were launched in 2017. And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. Yeah, you probably thought I was going to start out off with that gun shooting. We're going to get to it. It's one of our segments today. But that was ABC with another sad DACA story that you never hear about the ones that some DACA recipient killed, murdered, beat, ran over, drove without a license, insurance, all that kind of stuff. You, you never hear that. So I just had to play that. I thought it was interesting. That's that Nancy Pelosi soundbite, which she's talking about. She brainwashed her kid to believe that he's a loser because he's not black. What's wrong with you? Bill Murray bringing some truth down. And the reason why I play that is he's a millennial icon. They love him. And then CNN admitting North Korea play at Olympics was all bullshit. The reason why I did that is there's a lot of that in this podcast. It's really big, man. We're going to see, as we will see with the shooting, that you know the left went all out on America Sucks this week. So want to start off with some interesting stuff. Hail Razor. Last week, Trump wants a military parade like a dictator. This week, the admired precision of North Korean cheerleaders will warm your heart. That's just perfect. That's a great tweet that sums everything up. During this time, you heard all sorts of stuff about the horrible shooting down there, which I'm not trying to lessen, but there were two two cops killed in Westerville. Nobody covered it. Nobody. Another person, John Escalante. John Kelly should try working 40 hours a week, take 21 college credits in one semester. All right, this is a real tweet. I'm not making this shit up. Uh, in one semester, fighting for the DREAM Act, helping our family financially, dealing with deportation. I'm just going to say what one person said. There's so many. 43 years in the USMC, fought three different wars, spent several years separated his family while serving his country, and now worked breakneck hours as a 68-year-old. Moron tells Kelly to walk a mile in his shoes because he works while going to college. I said, as a vet, I love tweets like this for ignorant blue checks. Why don't you go to war, serve both parties, get paid nada, eat horrible food, freeze, sweat, bleed, do a career that destroys your body physically due to its demands, and listen to idiots like you, dog vets, until then, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Yeah. Just just fucking horrible. Burning hot North Korea. We're going to cover this in the section. CNN. 
Kim Jong-un, his sister, who the media loved, is the North Korean Ivanka Trump. I want you to think if you said anything about Melania or what is it, his two kids, Obama's, and I can't remember the name. Because you couldn't just say him. You said him, you're a fucking racist. That's how evil the left has been this week. Opening Olympics only snagged uh, 27.8 million viewers. It's slide down 6%. Nobody's watching it. And by the way, in the head-to-head blank sheet, Republicans are ahead, and Trump's approval rating is at 51%. just want to make sure you understand that. just want to make sure you understand that, because at the end of the day, nobody's going to cover that. Nobody's going to cover that. That even with all this going on, with all the attacks on him, that you will see through this, the left and our media love North Korea more than they love Trump. So let's fire for effect on that bullshit. Vice President has returned, but it is a remarkable few days. South Korea clearly believes, let's try this. Let's have the, the athletes together. Kim Jong-un's sister, the first member of the regime, to come into the South uh, since, the, since the war. And the, the United States is essentially saying to its ally, no, 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 no. <laughs> it's been such a stark contrast to watch. North Korea is using the, the public attention and the public spotlight of these games to promote some sense of normalcy, where you have the sister attending the opening ceremony. You, we've seen the images of the North Korean cheerleaders cheering on their athletes. And the vice president has been very stark and very firm over the last several days, saying, look, this is complete propaganda. And you see he has sent that message pretty much in every action that he did over the last several days. In Asia, you had him inviting uh, Fred Warmbier, the son or the father of Otto Warmbier, to sit with him in the opening ceremonies. He was meeting with North, Kore- North Korean defectors when he was in Japan. He touted the aggressive sanctions against North Korea. So there was a very clear message that he was sending at a time when you see North Korea trying to kind of drive a wedge between South Korea and the, and the United States, um, especially in these Olympic Games. And the vice president kept trying to make the point that there is no space between the United States and South Korea. But is there not? Is, wasn't that quite evident to to us that there is at least tone space? Well, I mean, the South Korean president wanted uh, Vice President Pence to shake uh, the hand of, of Kim Jong-un's sister, and he very pointedly did not do that. The South Koreans thought that that would be uh, an important symbol of the United States' willingness to sort of potentially take a path that does not involve a military option, but instead involves negotiation and, you know, talking to each other. But President Trump was very adamant, and the vice president, you know, certainly got the message that that was not going to happen, and they did not want to hand the North Koreans what would have been a PR coup um, at at this kind of sensitive time in in the in the conflict. To South Korea now, and the Winter Olympics, where high stakes diplomacy may be outshining the gold medal race. Kim Jong Un's sister, the key player there. History on the ice. North and South Korea competing together in women's ice hockey. 
cheered on by squads of North Korean cheerleaders, the crowd chanting, We are one. The team lost its debut, but these Olympics have already won South Korea something it hasn't had in over a decade. A presidential invitation from a North Korean leader. The invitation to the South extended by Kim Jong-un's sister. And during those opening ceremonies, laid in with messages of peace, from giant dove shapes to John Lennon's Imagine, she sat barely an arm's length away from Vice President Mike Pence. But not a single word exchanged. Another perceived American jab at the Korean peace overtures, the Vice President's special guest at the Olympics, the father of Otto Warmbier the young American who died after being imprisoned in North Korea. Not competing, but getting a lot of attention here, those North Korean cheerleaders who have been stealing the show at hockey. Critics are calling them propaganda performers sent by Kim Jong-un to put a smiling face on a brutal regime. It's a North Korean charm offensive some South Koreans just find offensive. But now it's their cheer gear that's causing a stir. Waving the unified Korean flag was okay, but then out came these masks that resemble a young Kim Il-sung, the founder of North Korea and Kim Jong-un's grandfather. That made some South Koreans angry. They viewed it as propaganda, not proper cheering. Some even signed a petition asking the government to investigate. The government did, and says the North Koreans assured them it was not the North's founding father, because using a revered figure would not be allowed in cheerleading. In fact, it would likely be punishable by death, a reminder of the inconvenient truth behind all that Olympic spirit. Ben Trace, CBS News, Pyongyang. This is going to be an ugly section, because I label that North Korea. That I could literally play seven hours of them waxing poetic about how great... That skank who's in charge of the propaganda division of North Korea did at dogging pants, who's a homophobe. How they outmaneuvered Trump. How they're so great and we suck. It's, it's nonstop. Before we start, it's a fun shit for BuzzFeed, cause BuzzFeed does something really good here. It's the first time ever on this podcast, I'm using BuzzFeed, of all things, as an example of really if BuzzFeed gets it right, you don't. You need to recheck your worldview. But we'll start with funny. 11 men's luge bulges that all deserve gold member, me- medals. <laughs> that was actually a thing. And somebody tweeted, next on BuzzFeed, women's 12 best camel toes. And I thought that was great. So I had to get that in before I really get angry. Because here we go. Ben Shapiro, Shapiro. All you need to know about the media's not-so-secret love for Marxist dictatorships can be seen in the treatment of collective machine-like behavior of North Korean cheerleaders in the Chinese Olympic opening ceremony. It's true. Both of them correlate. They loved it. The Weekly Standard. Kim Yo-jong, sister dictator, gets celebrity treatment from U.S. media. Britt Hume, nauseating. And he's right. It's just unbelievably bad that they would do this. Rooters, twice in here. First one, North Korea judged winner of diplomatic gold at Olympics. They were just so happy that that she gave a dirty look to, to fucking pants. That's pretty much where it came from. Other ones that kind of go through it. Gay U.S. Olympians dig in and feud with Vice President Eat Your Heart Out Pence. 
Because, remember, he went to a church. He's not getting the Reverend Wright thing, but he went to a church that one time did conversion therapy, so he paid for that therapy, even though Obama went to a church with Reverend Wright, and none of that stuff he believes. Well, that's how we're supposed to go with this. But okay. Most people were screaming at the top of the line. They murder innocent people, and their shirts are untucked. Okay, so maybe not, or maybe so. And people just dogging it. One Another article. Straight from Reuters. North Korean women suffered discrimination, rape, malnutrition. But you're good with it. And while they're not saying how great North Korea is and how fierce Rippon is, they then run Adam Rippon. I don't want my Olympic experience to be about Mike Pence. You made it about Mike Pence, you fuckhead. Other awesome shit. Politico. Fred Wambier criticized North Korea Olympic spirit, and they dog him for doing that. Because he says a communist country who fucking killed his son is fucked up. They side with North Korea. Really, Politico? And then NBC goes way too far, all right? It's a screenshot of those North Korean cheerleaders, which once again, we're not supposed to have a military parade. And it is, it's like robots. But anybody who's been to Korea, knows anything about Korea, knows anything about North Korea, they don't have a choice. They're going to die. They'll shoot them. But they loved it. It's amazing how well-coordinated the waving gets when your life is on the line, someone says. Sean Davis. Is North Korea playing NBC for this nonsense, or is the network of executives legitimately enthralled in the tyrannical regime which keeps tens of millions of their own people in slave camps? Not sure. But it wasn't just then. ABC, North Korean 200-plus cheerleaders steal spotlight in 2018, winter Olympics with matching outfits and synchronized chants. Yeah. CNN then brings in the Kim Jong-un sister propaganda bit. All right? They literally ran an article. Kim Jong-un's sister, or Kim Jong-un's sister, is stealing the show at the Winter Olympics. Here it is. If diplomatic dance were an event in the Winter Olympics, Kim Jong-un's young sister would be favored to win gold. With a smile, a handshake, and a warm message in South Korean presidential guest book, Kim Yo-jong has struck a chord with the public just one day into the game. They don't, they don't talk about anything else. About the death camps, that this lady is in charge of propaganda, that this play, this lady can literally just, with a snap of her finger, kill people. Kill them all. They, they don't talk about that. No. She's a diplomatic star. And within this article, as I preface, because I just want to make sure it comes through, Kim, North Korea's Ivanka Trump. This is the segment, because I pulled it out of this fucking tripe. Kim Yo-jong's profile has been steadily rising since 2014, when she was made Deputy Director of Propaganda. Her position is such that according to Seoul-based think tank run by North Korean defectors, Kim Brisley took charge of the country while her brother was partly ill with the gout and diabetes. She also plays an important role as an informant of her brother. Experts say her visit at the Winter Games is calculated to answer the expected presence of Ivanka Trump at the closing ceremonies. Kim Yo-jong is a perfect counterpart to this, Wang said, and it also is a, sends a signal that North Korea is not crazy. Weird former Cold War state, but it's too as young women that are capable. You get the reference, right? Ivanka Trump and Trump are just like a murderous dictator who kills people. 
Britt Hume, does this puff piece mean she's gotten over her dictator brother's murder of her older brother? Michelle Malkin remarked, David Mack, Yaz Queen, work it as you oppress your people. Get that crime against humanity, girl. Carrie Pickett, this is the side you're taking just despite the VP, really? Way to go, guys. Brent Bozell, earlier this week, a CNN reporter was fooled by a witty North Korean propaganda parody account. Today, CNN is a North Korean parody account. Hale Razor, Trump is a dictator and is a threat to press freedom, but did you see how Kim Jong-un's sister is slaying it? Then, New Republic Jeet here goes all in. Do you realize how massively you have to fuck up so that Kim Jong-un's family looks good by comparison? And he went on a 20-tweet, I'm trying to dig my, I'm sorry, 14-tweet tirade to try to dig himself out. And I can sum it up. Trump. Trump. They literally, he closes with America's alienating and important ally, ally in a Stalinist hellhole is winning a propaganda victory. Think progress, Hillary Clinton's private media outlet. Despite Mike Pence's sabotage, North Korean charm offensives appear to be working. New York Times, without a word, only flashy smiles, Kim Jong-un's sister outflanked Vice President Pence. This is our media. Dana Lowe, she will get raped. Verbally raped by the end of this podcast because the evil people on the left. She outflanks them in operating concentration camps, starving citizens, torture, rape of female prisoners, and murdering her own family members. Your glowing coverage of this tyrannical regime is insane. Yashir Ali Alib. Wait, people, are, are still tweeting this crap? Reuters doubles down. Head held high, Kim's sister returned to North Korea. Hail Razor. Encouraged by glowing press reports, dictator's sister returns home to kill and torture. So, the resistance out there, those in Frisco listening to me, all over the country, if you're listening, BuzzFeed's talking to you. When BuzzFeed tells you you're fucked up, I think you usually go with it, okay? So let's read their PSA. PSA. Kim Jong-un's sister is not your new fave shade queen. She's a garbage monster. What the hell is wrong with you people? During the opening ceremony of the 2018 Winter Olympics on Friday, Vice President Pence was seated near the Korean delegate, da-da-da-da-da. The two did not speak, shake hands, or even appear to make eye contact. At one point, while Pence was cheering, Kim Jo-jong briefly glanced at Pence, and some people decided she was giving him deadly side-eye. Mike Rundle did. A bunch of people. Even CNN wrote the North Korean dictator's sister was stealing the show. And the Washington Post had a tweet calling her the captivating Ivanka Trump of North Korea. But before you decide your fave new shade queen is a powerful North Korean official, let's talk about why you should probably not stand Kim Yo-jong. One, she's believed to be part of the regime's propaganda agitation department, so she's probably not trying to defect. Two, Speaking of family, Kim Jong-un is believed to have ordered the assassination of his own brother. Three, North Korean regime commits frequent public executions of own citizen. In 2015, a South Korean report said that between 2000 and 2013, 1,400 North Korean citizens were publicly executed 
to keep the population in line because they're starving. Thousands were shoved in a stadium in 2013 and had to watch it. It was published in South Korean newspaper. Thor, in fact, the North Korean regime has actually enslaved many of its citizens. Human rights campaigners of the European Alliance of Human Rights North Korea said North Koreans have been sent abroad to work in jobs performing manual labor and have 90% of their pay sent back to the state. Amnesty International says more than 50,000 North Koreans have been sent to work all over the Middle East and Africa, and they don't get shit for it. Five, the regime is one of the world's most repressive. It strips the citizens of all sorts of rights, including freedom of expression, freedom of information, and the freedom of moving out of the country. Almost all North Koreans have been denied access to Internet, according to Amnesty, and they can be arrested and spent, sent to prison camps and found to be smuggling a mobile phone. International calls are blocked, you jackasses! Six, Kim Yo-jong's family literally runs gulags. I'm not reading the rest. Just gulags. Not the pretend ones, not the Mike Pence supposedly sponsored Gay re-education camps you all are jerking off to. That doesn't even exist, but okay. These are real gulags. Seven, her brother's regime has been blamed for the death of Otto Warmbier, which you guys like. I know. You thought it was great because he's a conservative. Got it. Eight, it's part of the country that's quite literally threatening to nuke the U.S. Have you not been paying attention to any news this past year? Her brother's explicitly said the entire United States is within range of my fucking nukes. And I could push a button on my desk. No, no, no. You got all tied up that fucking somehow, some way, Trump responded. And they end it with, okay, so please don't support this woman. Thanks. So Bethany Mandel tried. The media shall continued on its year-long obsession about the dangers of fake news after having spent the weekend running propaganda for the most brutal regime in human history. This is how twisted the resistance is. Gene Whitegar, it's not the most brutal regime in human history, Bethany. You need to apologize. This goes on for 10 tweets. He actually, oh, there's worse. It made Ian McKinney, since the American leftist media is fawning all over North Korea, I thought I'd post some illustrations made by former prisoners showing people being tortured, beaten, racked the whole nine. But CNN was all in. Political math. What absolutely horrifies me about this is that North Korea will take these stories and show them to the people they torture and prove to that them that all their hope is useless and the outside world actually loves the regime and he nails this. Nails it. You just gave them all the propaganda they need to continue to build nukes and to continue to torture people. You hate Trump, so you sided with a brutal dictator. Good job, liberals. Hashtag resist. Moving on. Slavery apologist, NBC Asia expert, benched after praising Japanese occupation of Korea. He literally has no clue what he was talking about. They had to give this mea culpa during our coverage of Parade of Nations on Friday. We said it was notable that Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe made the trip to Korea for the Olympics, representing Japan, the country which occupied Korea from 1910 to 1945. But every Korean will tell you that Japan is a cultural and technological 
Uh, sorry, page freeze. Economic example has been so important to their own transformation. We understand the Korean people were insulted by these comments, and we apologize. So I, I want to make sure you understand. Most of you resistance people don't know shit. You get fed what Twitter gives you, whatever the left gives you, your talking points memo, and you roll with that shit. Japan tried to fucking breed them out. They destroyed their heritage, they burned everything, and they treated them like slaves. Let me understand. They tried to breed them out. That was well before the Soviets took half that country after 1945 and tried to do something with it, make it a communist regime. So no, they don't look at Japan as a place to be. Most of them still have grandparents that told them the horrors of living under Japanese control. You all see Japan as this, oh, great technological country. They were fucking bastards. Pearl Harbor, do you remember? Oh, no, no, that was Bush's fault. Got it. Christopher Cuomo tried to help all this. You don't think having a president who lies about what is fake and actively maligns a free press out of convenience is a bigger reason for animosity towards us than how some decide to cover this BS? Stephen Miller. No, Chris. Would you seem not able to grasp as your network's TMZ-style coverage and your peer-fawning fangirling of murderous dictators enables and empowers that dictator? Michael Moore came out of his rock. I just love the whole fuck Trump opening Olympics, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, that was there. And then other stupid shit before we actually get to have some people. You know, I'm going to play a Tucker soundbite of a North Korean apologist who he crushes. And Greg Gutfield is going to just skull drag all the media to end this fucking pain. And then we'll go into DACA. So you'll hear two soundbites back to back. It'll be the North Korea closing and DACA. But during the Olympics, they played a Coke industry thing. I want you to understand, I talk on this show a lot about how brain dead the left is. They don't know anything. You feed them a talking point, they run with it, they don't research, they don't know who Soros is. That's not a name they know, but they know the Koch brothers, who, by the way, are never Trumpers, you fucking morons. This is just one of thousands of tweets. Holy shit, this ad for Coke industry trying to pretend they're not the most evil empire on the face of planet Earth. It should have said, we believe in destroying the planet and raping it all in resources while poisoning you to death with pollution. Also, we created Trump. That just sums up the left. Harry Reid fed you some bullshit in 2012. You still believe it. The Koch brothers couldn't dream to give in to much money as Soros has to move on.org and all lefty stuff. He's taking over whole countries, you dipshits. The Koch brothers run a fucking company. So, double sound bites. Fuck the media! Okay, some media outlets are getting heat for comments regarding North Korea and Kim's little sister at the Olympics. The New York Times headline reads, Kim Jong-un's sister turns on the charm, taking Spence's spotlight. 
CNN says, if diplomatic dance were an event at the Winter Olympics, Kim Jong-un's younger sister would be favored to win gold. Barf. I don't know what's worse, the cheery lead about a murderous regime or that lame joke you could see limping toward you a mile away. Yahoo News wrote, all swagger and smiles, Kim Jong-un's mysterious sister gets her star turn. What is this, the red carpet at the Grammys? I can't believe they left out who she was wearing, literally. Anyway, I feel pretty left out in this love fest. So in honor of Valentine's Day, I made this. Two of me. Now, as for North Korea's cheering section, NBC tweeted, it was so satisfying to watch, neglecting to point out that the option to not cheering is execution. Then there's the view. Was this the place to make that statement? Or did he just forget to get up? Or I thought was that it? Mike Pence said that it was inappropriate to make political statements at sporting events. <laughs> the football game because yeah, people were kneeling and well, not he would say it's standing. If you're in Korea, you need to stand up. You need to stand respect. up and show respect. Ah, Pence didn't stand up. Now, you know you're a lefty if you think it's heroic to kneel for our national anthem, but evil if you sit for our adversaries. It's funny that they're called The View, yet they're so blind. <laughs> so why does the media praise a country that's so bad to its people? It's what they do. The USSR was portrayed lovingly by useful idiots for decades. The same thing with Castro's Cuba and Venezuela. But I wonder, after all of these glowing reviews from our media, just how nervous is Kim's sister right now? Yeah. Does she really want to be more popular than him? <laughs> Get a look at her now. It might be the last time you see her. <laughs> it's I don't mean to laugh at that. What I want to talk about is uh -huh. what I think is really of, of importance to the people of this country. That is that there's a group in Washington that really wants to push for a war. The Korean yep. people don't want it. People here don't want a war, but they don't know what a war is like. They think you just push a button somewhere. Well, but, That's but, but, not hold on, hold on. Let, let, let me just say that I, I've never said this to a communist before, but I actually agree with you. I, I don't want a war in Good. Korea. Good. And I think there are people in Washington who are pushing for it. I think you're absolutely right there. Mm -hmm. I guess where I disagree with you is we don't know what the people of North Korea want because they're not allowed to say what they want. Well, and, and I'm a little, well, if, really? Yes, so I, I, do they have Internet access there? Oh, they don't. I, okay. I've been do they? There. They know right, what's know going have. on in the world. They know right. perfectly well what's going on in the world. How would they know? Because it's illegal to watch a foreign movie there. No, so how would they making, know? You know, making up a lot of stuff. The Is people in North Korea are very aware of what's going on in the world. North Korea has a 100% literacy rate. Did you know that? I, I got did. That yeah. Figure, I got that figure from the CIA fact book. Well, I, if I've you seen want to it as well. It but if you can't read anything but the propaganda, of, they are not in some kind of a, you know jail they're not they are they, really? are they are people who want to get out from underneath the threat of war that the u.s has posed ever since it 
invading their but, country in okay, I hear you, and there's no question it has been grossly exaggerated as chain migration, and this idea that it goes on forever is demonstrably false. The backlog of spousal and child documentation cases proves that. But this is about politics, and what I don't understand is, if it's such an impassioned principle, why are you adding anything to it? Why don't the Democrats just stand on doing DACA and fixing the situation and adding nothing, not adding billions for a wall that isn't necessary? You can put all that money for security into the budget bill, and in fact, you are. The president's proposal right now has border security spending in it. Why add anything to it if it matters as much as you say? Hey, but then why not stand on principle? You have the filibuster in the Senate, and if the president wants to blame you, have that fight. Why isn't this a bedrock principle for the Democrats that they're willing to stand on and maybe die on? One of the bills that lawmakers are considering is the Secure and Succeed Act, which closely mirrors the White House plan. It offers a pathway to citizenship for nearly two million immigrants. In return, the bill calls for $25 billion for a wall and border security, limits to family-based immigration, and an end to the diversity visa lottery program. Senator Tom Cotton of Arkansas is one of the lawmakers who introduced the bill. He's also a member of the Senate Intelligence Committee, and he joins us from Capitol Hill. Capitol Hill. Good morning, Senator. Let me start with your immigration bill. Uh, can it get 60 votes, which is the threshold there in the Senate? I hope so, John. We'll see when we have votes in the Senate this week. As you know, it's somewhat unusual to have this freewheeling process. Lots of senators say they want it. Of course, now that it's here, some senators are a little nervous about it. But here's what I do know about our bill. It's the one bill that can become law. We shouldn't be focused on passing a bill out of the Senate. We should be focused on passing a law, something that can get the majority vote of the House and that President Trump is willing to sign. And, and this, fr this framework legislation is both generous, as you say, it gives uh, legal status and ultimately citizenship to almost two million young illegal immigrants who were brought here through no fault of their own, but it deals with the negative side effects of that as well. It helps secure our southern border and it ends the practice of extended family chain migration. I think that's a sensible and coherent package and I hope we can get 60 votes. But you can't get any Democrat, Democratic votes for your bill to get it out of the Senate. So you, you're focused on passing a law, but it's not going to get out of the Senate, which means it won't be a law. Well, John, we won't know until we put on the floor and we have those votes. Uh, but there are other bills that could get 60 votes, aren't there? Yeah, the media has been, they've been staying busy. It's the same old fucking shit. This one was actually something I guess the left thought was going to work or make people upset. Dreamers threaten to leave the country if Congress doesn't reach a DACA deal. Okay, bye-bye. <laughs> what the fuck, brah? Then Vox actually ran a graphic, all right? And around the graphic is a, a outline of the United States of America. And they say basically America's in this area are in in ICE's fucking jurisdiction. Are you sure? Then there's this wizard. Montana government worker quits rather than help ICE hunt down and deport immigrants. So yeah, about that. I put in my two weeks notice. I work at the Montana Department of Labor. There were going to be ICE subpoenas for information that would end up being used to hunt down and deport undocumented, undocumented workers. Carol Roth, undocumented immigrants, not immigrants. What did he think ICE stood for? So that's a virtue singular. Big, fat, white dude was on Facebook. Oh my God, I feel horrible. I'm going to let this peer pressure tell me what to do. 
To Macy's a job fashion wear. Women's March. What did I tell you? Linda Sossauer started the Women's March. Women's March is an Islamist organization. Did I not tell you that? Please retweet. Macy's is under fire after announcing a care of fashion line featuring a job and modest clothing for Muslim, non-Muslim women. Tweet at Macy's and thank them for embracing diversity. Tell them to hold strong. We've been seeing some online who call for a boycott of Macy's over the decision, but here's the thing. We're old enough to remember when anti-Trump group Grab Your Wallet told everyone to boycott Macy's because it carried Trump brand merchandise. Sam the Fujini, political bunny. She keeps changing her name. Is this like the time the resistance was threatening to boycott Macy's for carrying Ivanka Trump line asking for a friend? Because they said, we remember a time, anti-Trump groups, and they think that's wrong that we're going to boycott? Are you hypocrites? Somebody enlightens them. The Trump boycott's still going on for 484 days. That's why they're closing stores, you morons. Mashable. In the same line. Why Handmaid's Tale costumes are the most powerful meme of the resistance yet. I wish it had sound. There was a whole thing in the Wisconsin Senate today with them literally stripping down to bikinis and doing a power dance or some shit. I, I just don't understand. But Dr. Jane Ruby sums it up. Hi, Macy's. I hope this very stupid move is worth it to you because I cut up my card. And I'm telling you, when they went to the gay thing, and they're going to just cover the transgender movement and do tours with the gay transgender play. They lost all sorts of business. And now they're still losing business. And they're closing stores. None of this shit's in Tennessee. If it was a real thing, it'd be in Tennessee. It's not. Now, somehow during the week, sessions came up. I'm not going to cover the whole story because you got it shoved down your neck with the fucking red hot poker. But Charles C.W. Cook wants to remind you. Here's then-Senator Obama using the term Anglo-American as correctly and appropriately as Session did in his speech from 2006. We must not consent or lose our language at the behest of the historically illiterate. That was the flub. He said Anglo-American. Obama, the constitutional dumbass, said it all the time. To the FBI, wife of demoted DOJ official worked for him, I'm sorry, for firm behind anti-Trump dossier, Mueller special counsel fatally compromised by Obama-Clinton dossier. Luke Rosiek of the Daily Caller is reporting Wednesday night that Justice Department official Bruce Orr did not disclose on ethics forms that his wife, Nellie, was being paid by Fusion GPS. He hit it. His tweet. Bruce Orr didn't didn't list Fusion GPS on ethics forms under spouse's income. Lying on the form could carry jail time. Feds got FISA warrant without noting financial relationship could be because they weren't told. Pattern of evasiveness about the payments. From the article. Bruce Orr, the Department of Justice official, brought the opposition research of the president to FBI, did not disclose the future GPS, which performed the research at the DNC, but Hass was paying his wife and did not obtain a conflict of interest waiver from his superior to at the Justice Department. Documents obtained by the Daily Caller Foundation show. 
The mission may explain why Orr was demoted from his post as Associate Deputy General, uh, Attorney General, not because Trump fired him. Did you, have you heard that in the media? Anybody out there? Bueller? No, we're still talking about some shit about some guy who hit somebody 10 years ago. Yeah, that's what we're talking about. Then WAPO does this. I'm not reading the article. I didn't even look at the article. I'm just looking at their tweet. Christopher Steele is a hero, and Americans owe him their thanks. That's a real thing. A guy who made a false dossier to get the Democrats what they needed to try to get him out of office at Obama's at, at behest. I'm not going to let the media lie to you. Obama knew. Obama wanted to be brief. Why don't you know that? Why is that not leading every night? Oh, I know why. Because our media works for the DCCC. Let's go to our tweets of the day because it's more Obama. Yeah, this portrait. Get the fuck out of here. John, this is probably the most anticipated unveiling of presidential portraits and first lady portraits that we've had so far to date. The Obamas picked really contemporary artists to paint their portraits. For former President Barack Obama's painting, he chose Kahinda Wiley, who depicts uh, mainly African-American men in poses of the old masters. So he juxtaposes contemporary culture with very formal sort of heroic poses. Here we're seeing Michelle Obama come to the stage. She selected uh, the woman there in the glasses, Amy Sherald. A Baltimore-based painter who's also famous for her depictions of African-Americans. Uh, and here comes the former president, Barack Obama. So clearly not just, uh, you know, we're anxious to see them, but the art world has really been um, very anxious to see these very different presidential portraits. One thing that I, I disagree with what she said, she said she had a small part in the success of this administration. She had a huge part in the success of this administration with her the program she worked on herself, but also the support that she gave to the president was was just tremendous and and I think it is phenomenal that they had someone to, to paint them someone that they were comfortable with someone that they knew would capture who they okay as you can hear that is CNN jerking off to this portrait for the record every president ever has gotten a portrait it's in front of something that's presidential when you find out where Obama and Miss Obama got theirs done and who did it You'll understand why dipshit, and I'm calling the president, the ex-president, dipshit, did it in front of a goddamn pile of kutsu. I don't know what the fuck he was looking for. You already were different. You were black. You made your mark. You will go down as the greatest president ever because liberals write the books, even though you're the biggest piece of shit that ever happened to the country.
Then you do that jackassery. That is the most embarrassing shit I've ever seen. I don't understand it. Nobody understands it. But the media loved it. Barack Obama's portrait shows him not as self-assured standard issue bureaucrat, but as an alert and troubled thinker. Michelle Obama's portrait overemphasizes an element of curial spectacle, but also projects a rock-solid cool. Yeah. I haven't seen anybody say they like it. But okay, New York Times, you go with you. Most people responded with, get a room. I don't know who painted these portraits, but they're really not very good. Miss Obama's portrait looks unfinished and very one-dimensional. I asked for my money back, I think. Kate Bennett. Amy Sherald, incredibly portrait of Michelle Obama. Sherald used grayscale and paint skin tones in order to take away color, so her subject can seem for the personality and presence. It's not supposed to look like her. It's a fucking character. Kaya Jones. At what point are we going to... Get there. There's an explicit choice in sending a message of terrorism and radicalism into this country towards our president and towards Americans. This is nothing but a joke. You don't know what line is until you cross it. Anti-American, you just crossed it. The world attacks her because they didn't wait for number two. And this made me totally go, yeah, okay, that makes sense. After Obama's choice with a radical racist artist to paint him, I'm done. I've seen enough and heard enough. You will never hear a word from me about the Obamas again. Why? Because they do not exist in my mind and no longer deserve any time or energy. The national spotlight shined brightly, she links to an article, on Kihundi Wiley as the artist who painted Barack Obama's portrait for the National Portrait Gallery unveiled this, his work. To a mixed reception. Still, a lot of people are asking questions about earlier works by Wiley. In particular, a pair of paintings showing black women holding sword in a hand and a decapitated white woman's head. Black Twitter says this. This is interesting. Triggered white Twitter is upset about Kylie Whitey's interpretation of Judah Hoffner's whining blacks would be upset if a white woman beheaded a black woman. What if someone re reinterpreted this photo with a pack of black women screaming at a white girl? It's okay. You white, and, and what she tweeted was some white lady yelling at a black lady at cell, at fucking, uh, Birmingham or in Alabama back in the day. The picture is horrible. A woman in a fancy dress, black woman, holding a severed redhead's head by the ponytail. Christina Lopez G. writes for Media Matters, because they defended this. While this painting was part of a series of portraits of women he entitled An Economy of Grace, the artist is known for remixing classic European art with black urban youth. As Upworthy Parker Malloy documented, the smearing seems clearly pretty coordinated, and the manufactured outrage echoes other stunts pro-Trump trolls have pulled to garner mainstream media attention and shape narratives, like suing over all women's screenings of Wonder Woman or disrupting a Shakespeare play of its depiction of murder of Julius Caesar. Tell me. 
tell me at any time you could do this the opposite race. Tell me you could tell me a president of the United States who's a Caucasian could ever get a painting done by anything controversial. If the guy drove past someplace back in the day that nobody remembers except for the fucking race hustlers was where the KKK met. Do you think that painter would get away with it? Do you think the mainstream media would ignore it? Oh, fuck to the hells, no. So by the end, Obama has an extra finger. Uh, ben Shapiro gets attacked. He says, love the new portrait of Michelle Obama, which doesn't even look like her. I say you're a dick, but that's too kind. Very classy of you to insult the first lady in the portrait. I can't tell this is racist. Is this racist? Is this racist? Yeah, you're racist. But my favorite's Cuffy. Obama finally succeeded in putting Bush behind him. <laughs> Even Chris Saliza respectfully said something and he got ass raped for it. Washington Post defends it. Review the Obama's portraits are not what you expect, and that's why they're great, Derek Hunter. This is some world-class attempt turd polishing by Washington Post. And that's so fucking... They just... Every news agency came out and fucking tried to justify why this was so cool, even though they know it's a hot garbage fire. It's a dumpster fire. The president's picture is a dumpster fire. It is unpresidential. It is a hot mess. And it was done by a full-fledged racist that it's okay because he's black. The painter's black. You can be racist. Okay. But our tweet of the day comes from Christina Summers, who probably will be banned from Twitter. But I love this tweet. It has nothing to do with the Obamas. Dear kids, I'm a baby boomer. We're getting old. But at least we had sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Seems like millennials have moral panics, workshops, and grievance circles. Time to rebel. Kisses, Mom. Hey, Tweet of the Day! To our hate tweets right out the gate, uh, Trump wants to come back on food stamps for the poor and substitute with packaged food deliveries. Here are 60 reasons why this is a terrible idea and will not work. You may want to give this a read, blah, blah, blah. Those are a lot of reasons when our... What it, I can't read it. It's all smudged. I'm sorry. It was a good jab. Another one. More legal guns used in St. Louis area. Crimes. This is a headline that was aired on a local uh, NBC News in St. Louis. All of it is an outright lie. It was directed towards Dana Loesch, who we'll see gets attacked in a little bit. Because here is the simple truth. The headline and subhead. More legal guns used in St. Louis area crimes. Out on the street, the stolen guns are a dime a dozen. 
Stolen guns aren't legal guns, you liars. And she's right. I mean, seriously, folks. If they're a dime a dozen and they're stolen, how is that a legal gun? Then, shooting a Tesla into orbit, a slap in the face to real science. That's an actual tweet. That's from Salon. What is wrong with lefties? Then there's Robert De Niro takes aim at Trump administration's science on climate change, telling an audience in the Middle East that he lives in a backward company country. But don't worry, it's just temporary society or temporary insanity. Are you serious? Are you serious? I don't understand. Jesus Christ. I thought under Obama he couldn't say shit when they're overseas. Oh, he can do it. Okay, I got it. Chelsea Handler starts the next wave of stupid. There's an entire generation of children whose first memory of the president is a man who supports child molesters, wife beaters, Russian hacking, and porn stars. It is our responsibility to make that a memory and not a consistency. We all have a moral obligation to keep going, she says. Somebody quips back, I thought porn stars were okay for liberals. Then she doubles down. It's pretty clear that Donald Trump should just be arrested. The idea that each person who's forced to resign from his cabinet is guilty of something. Real Donald Trump isn't, is ludicrous. Anyone who lies that much also cheats and steals. What you remember just a little while ago? Did she not say that she wasn't doing this anymore? But Jenna Jameson gets her for the first one. She just put porn stars in the same category as child molesters and domestic abusers. Let that sink in. Not very feminist of you. May I suggest sobriety, Chelsea? If you need a sponsor, I'm free. Cher said a bunch of shit this week with little turd emojis. Not reading it. But th this was a big week for Hollywood. My favorite is a woman voting Republican is like a chicken voting for Colonel Sanders. Yeah. So, because they were on this fever pitch because the media strung them up with North Korea is better than us. Look at Kim Jong-un's sister give him the fucking side eye. Here comes uh, Colbert and Kimmel. Colbert makes this stupid fucking video that it was a cartoon. Nobody, I swear to God, nobody got it, and he was dogged by the left. And Kimmel decides Christians are horrible now. So now he's just full circle. He is 100% progressive. Look, Mike, I hate to do this, but I need to listen to you. I need to get Melania an anniversary gift. What do you get the woman who has the man who is everything? The Bible says in times of... I got Karen and her closest gal pals third row tickets to Joel Osteen's Prayer Fest. I would have joined them, but my impure thoughts for an audiobook narrator forced me to take shelter in the arms of God for the evening. So wait, wait, you, you pawned Karen off on someone else? Why, she loves spending time with her fellow Christettes. Say, why don't we set up the gals on a night out? Michael, have you met Karen? It's like talking to a human shower curtain. Why, thank you, sir. It's not a compliment, Michael. And then, oh, I
There's a controversial decision from a court in Kern County, California, which is just north of us. The court ruled in favor of a bakery that refused to make a cake for a same-sex wedding because the owner said it would violate her Christian faith to do that. Bakersfield's Tastries Bakery denied a lesbian couple's request for a wedding cake, even though this, this, by the way, is one of the cakes on the bakery's Yelp page. This is a real cake they made. It, which is easily the gayest cake I've ever seen in my life. And I've seen some gay cakes. That, that cake, Elton John was wearing that cake in 1986. So it doesn't make a lot of sense. And as you probably know, this isn't the first instance of a bakery refusing to make a cake for a same-sex wedding. There's a case right now in the Supreme Court. But the judge's ruling in this particular case is interesting. He said the bakery would have violated the law if it refused to sell the couple a cake that was already baked. But the baker can't be forced to bake a cake specifically for a same-sex wedding. Which may sound, it sounded reasonable at first, but here's the problem. In fact, join me now as we use a common restaurant dining experience to explain why this isn't right. Here we go. All right. All right. Just let me tie myself up here. Hello and welcome to Chowabunga. I'm Jimmy. I'm your waiter. I'm your server tonight. Have you dined with us before? Uh, no. no. Okay, well, we have a few specials tonight. Uh, before I list them, I want to ask, does anyone have any food allergies? No. Any dietary restrictions? No. Are any of you no. gay? I'm gay. Okay, then I should let you know that you won't be enjoying any of our signature salads tonight. I'll go ahead and take I'm, your... I'm sorry, what? Uh, our salad chef uh, today is Tony, and he believes homosexuality is a sin, so he won't be creating any of our salads for you, which are tangy lemon Caesar, watercress with apple and crumbled blue cheese, and my favorite, walnut and radicchio. What Tony does is he candies the walnuts in maple syrup, and it's absolutely delicious. It really is. So, But I can't order that? No, you can't order it. Uh, Tony won't make a salad for you because it violates his religious beliefs. However, I could bring you a salad he made yesterday, he made yesterday before he knew you were gay. I, I don't want day-old salad. All right. Well, aren't you a picky lesbian? Um, <laughs> what can I get for you, sir? Um, how is the lasagna? Oh, it's the best. That's a great choice. Oh, I have to ask, are you Jewish by any chance? Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. I should have mentioned the lasagna is not for Jews tonight. <laughs> what? Yeah. I'll bring you both the three-bean casserole. No. I don't want three-bean casserole. I want a salad. You know what? I'm not gay. I'll order it for you. Oh, no, you can't do that. You can't order for her. Why not? Well, our owner Patricia is a Wiccan priestess, and she won't allow men to order for women. She says it perpetrates the patriarchy. So, you know, I'll, do, I'll just bring you both salmon, which you will have medium rare. Great choice. But I don't even eat fish. Tom, don't I'll just order the steak and we can trade. The steak? How dare you? Our chef is Hindu. Cows are sacred to him. You think he's going to commit blasphemy just because you want a steak? Then why is steak even on the menu? It was a test, and you failed. Now get out, all of you. Jew, gay, cow murderer, all of you get out of this restaurant. But come again soon. Come on back. This made somebody write an article, The Sad Transformation of Jimmy Kimmel is Complete. Remember Jimmy Kimmel? We talk about the man show, all that stuff. Gorgeous women jumping. He parlayed the everyman persona in a late-night fame. 
Now in his 14th season, never threatening anybody important, he's got a decent crowd. That was then, before the the rise of Trump. Now he's shredded any sign of integrity. They break down all the things he's done. From Obamacare to DACA to everything. Ben Shapiro pretty sums it up, but the invocation of personal experience in a political debate is generally obtuse because it's a soft form of identity politics. It puts those arguing in that position of supposedly rejecting your personal experience and impugning your integrity or the veracity of your feelings. The whole point of determining policy is that empathy shouldn't outweigh reason, and that's true. It shouldn't, okay? It never should, but somehow, some way, he decided at the behest of Chuck Schumer which this article covers. Chuck Schumer talked him into doing this, and he starts going after Ryan. He starts demonizing people for believing God. This is things he said. They should be praying for God to forgive them for letting the gun lobby run this country. Do you remember that? So why the Kimmel transformation? He's no longer the bratty young comic trying to cut his teeth in comedy. He's 50. He's also aware how the media treats comics. Lean left, hero worship, hardly describes it. Today's media outlets regularly share Kimmel's liberal rants just like they do Saturday Night Live. And it's sad. Because the things he's been saying, the things he's been doing, he's no longer comedian. He's an outright political activist. And the best part about all of this is the following hate tweet. On Thursday... Kimmel crashed his BMW into another car near the Chateau Marmont Hotel in West Hollywood. The talk show host reportedly made a wrong left turn onto the Sunset Strip despite the right turn only sign. He's so left he can't even turn right. By the end of the week, this includes idiot comedians is a sign somebody put below the stop sign and the right turn only side. He's now a fucking punchline. Thank you. Thank you. Then another hate tweet comes from a former Obamacare manager, campaign manager, Brian Fallon, says all public pollsters should be shot. Hmm. That's, that's, that's fantastic. And then comes the assholes of the day originally. There's more assholes coming since the church, the, uh, the high school shooting. Fuck you, asshole. You asshole. This is why we can't have nice things. You asshole! Are you just an asshole? Is that it? Fuck you, you asshole! You ever hear the saying, you run into an asshole in the morning, you ran into an asshole? You run into assholes all day, you're the asshole. Fuck you, asshole. You! You are such an asshole! You are an asshole. You dumb asshole! Asshole. Fucking asshole! Away from me, you asshole. He's an asshole. Eyewitness News. Breaking. Wife of Donald Trump Jr. taken to hospital after opening envelope containing white powder. You know, I never saw this on CNN. I never saw it. She was taken to the hospital, and out comes the motherfuckers. Tara Dublin, what's the over-under that it was just her Coke dealer dropping off the usual, but she did too much of this in cover story? 
because you have to be on all drugs to be married to Uday, and also they've all been lying attention whores. Donna Cahill, who would wish harm on Trump's family? Trump derangement syndrome is rotting out your brain. Why did you delete it if it was just a joke? You guys chill out. Vanessa and Don Jr. have a history of coke abuse. I'm doubling down. Oh, that's just the beginning. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 25. Don Jr.'s wife sent to hospital after opening letter with white substance. Here are some leftist hot takes from Amanda Prestigamamo. False alarm. That was just the cocaine. Hope she sneezed on her husband. Goes on and on and on. And that's okay. That's okay. You can do that. But talk about Obama's kids. You're a motherfucking racist. Talk about Clinton, Chelsea Clinton. You're a fucking sexist. Talk about anybody's kids. You're a piece of fucking shit. But Don Jr.'s wife? Oh, she's a coke addict. And mixed in there. I hope she dies. And our last hate tweet, we're going to the hypocrisy of the day, and I'm going to keep the bumper. Well, I'll play the bumper for shits and grins. Gillibrand, Senator Gillibrand, embarrassed and ashamed by previous conservative stances on guns, illegal immigration, blames her 98% white district for, for, for previous non-wokeness. I came from a district that was 98% white. We have immigrants, but not a lot of immigrants. I haven't really spent a lot of time with those kind of stories about what it's like to worry about your dad could be taken away at any moment. But you're reading the paper, Alfonso Prest. Yeah, and it didn't take me to understand. Didn't take me time to understand why these issues matter because it was right in front of me, and that was my fault. I was something that I embarrassed about and I'm ashamed of. Somebody summed it up. Wow, she's got quite a pair. She pandered because she lived in a two-way community just south of Albany. She's a liar and a conniver. This alone proves she's unfit for office. I'm embarrassed she's my junior senator. If you live in her district and you vote for her, you're a fucking piece of shit. She just said she's embarrassed that she lives with white people. But Nancy Pelosi's kids were raised that way. Hypocrisy! I'm continuing to tell the truth about our lives. So, let me add my voice. I pledge to continue to speak out. I pledge to never give up. I will do everything I can to keep my voice, number one. to advance the rights and opportunities of women. In the midst of this snowstorm, stay on the front lines of democracy. Thank you all for being part of this gathering of history makers, troublemakers, and change makers. Let's keep going.
Thank you. No, Peter Dow wannabes. I'm not coughing something back up. That is literally recent. He liked that coughing things back up. That's Hillary at a women's convention or some women's bullshit. She couldn't even do her speech. But Trump's a piece of shit because he drinks 20 fucking Diet Cokes a day and eats two scoops of ice cream. Yeah, okay, gotcha. NBC Olympics audience drops 6% network declares victory. I just want to do that. I know I hit the stab, but they actually declared victory. Nobody's watching this. I don't know anybody who's watching it. They all say the same thing I do. When I tune in, it's boring as fuck. Kristen Gillibrand again. The president has shown through words and action that he doesn't value women. It's not surprising he doesn't believe survivors or understand the national conversation that's happening. I want to say a thousand people tweeted her a picture when she's standing next to Harvey Weinstein. Because she needed his money. Kristen, shut up. New York Times reveals in Chicago Nazi GOP nod never covered the 2005 photo or meeting with the Black Caucus and Obama and Farrakhan. Just want to make sure you understand that. Why I rail against liberals who virtue signal, but they, it never affects them. It's no different than the Syrian thing, if you really think about it. Everybody wanted them. we got to take them. we got to be like Europe, and none of them wanted them in their states. Well... Carrie Pickett, wealthy New York liberals bitching about a homeless shelter opening in their neighborhood. This is just too rich. They had a call to arms over that. It was a call to action. Not in our neighborhood. Trump's a piece of shit because he's giving out food baskets instead of freaking snap. I'm going to cover the next podcast. It's a great idea. Most of us who've ever watched somebody go up and buy $700 worth of great groceries while you and your family live on 100 a week. Wonder, how is that fair? But yeah, yeah, they, I think it's a great idea. Um, CNN Journal with some more banana apple. This is a journalist. On the whole, this is why people don't trust the media. Yes, journalists mess up, and that can contribute to distrust. But let's not forget or pretend that's equal to how, for years, guys like Hannity, Trump, etc. have deliberately misrepresented news orgs for and so distrust. I should have brought my glasses, sorry. The President of the United States has spent years telling his supporters, journalists, make up sources intentionally, deceive readers, why, uh, while, and are the enemy. RW Media has echoed this, and at times gone further. Probably a bigger reason as to why people have distrust. But what do I know? Guy Benson. America's trust of the media hit then all-time low, 20 points underwater in 2012. That was Obama. But God damn it, don't let facts get in the way. Don't. Time touts HBO airing special midterm coverage hosted by, wait for it, Obama aides. Well, that's, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Here's Tucker breaking down Joy Reid. Joy Reid gets a special treatment this week because she's a race-baiting piece of shit. From MSNBC comes an answer. On her weekend show this Saturday, anchor Joy Reid interviewed a genealogist who had done historical research on my family. 
Apparently, one of my ancestors came to this country in 1860 from Switzerland. I didn't even know that until Reed's show aired because I have zero interest in the subject. That was more than 150 years ago. It is irrelevant to the decisions that I make as a father or a citizen or an employee of Fox News. It tells us precisely nothing about our modern immigration policy. America's economy has changed quite a bit since the Civil War. Yet according to MSNBC, this fact is a conversation ender. A single 19th century Swiss relative means you are now required to support green cards for everyone who jumps the borders or overstays a visa in 2018. Boom! Case closed! As Reed's guest put it, people in genealogical glass houses shouldn't throw stones, meaning me. Well, as is so often the case, it's hard to know exactly whether this was meant as a legitimate point of debate or whether it was part of an elaborate parody. Monty Python does DACA. But there's absolutely no doubt about the sincerity of what came next. Here's Joy Reid's response. She wasn't joking at all. Watch. Tucker has been one of the most aggressive at putting forward what a lot of people have seen as a pretty blatantly white nationalist view of what immigration should be like. So Joy Reid is accusing us of racism. Let's pause for a moment and savor the irony of that. Reid's entire public career has been built on race baiting. Try to watch her show for 20 minutes and see for yourself. This is the woman who urged the Democratic Party to give up on white voters who voted for Obama and then Trump, saying their votes weren't worth fighting for. That was last August. In October, she suggested that White House Chief of Staff John Kelly was somehow a bigot because he grew up around Irish Catholics. After House Majority Whip Steve Scalise was shot and nearly killed by a progressive activist last summer, Reid openly wondered if we should hope for his recovery. Watch. It's a delicate thing because, you know, obviously everybody is wishing the congressman well and hoping that he sure, recovers. Sure. Um, but Steve Scalise has a history that it's we've all been forced to sort of ignore um, on race. Um, he did come to leadership after some controversy over attending uh, a white nationalist event, um, which he says he didn't know what it was. Um, he also co-sponsored a bill to amend the Constitution to define marriages between a man and a woman. Because he is in jeopardy and everyone is pulling for him, are we required in a moral sense to put that aside at the moment? So when Joy Reid accuses you of harboring racist thoughts, trust me, it's projection. But it's also a political tactic. Reid can't explain why this country so badly needs to import millions of additional poor people. Nobody on the left can explain that because there's no real answer. So they attempt to short-circuit the conversation with slurs. That's a shame. Immigration matters. It determines who lives in this country, who chooses our government, who shapes our future. It's hard to think of a public policy topic more central to everything. We've tried our best to discuss immigration reasonably and with civility. Most of the time we succeed, not all, but we try. We tried to make a rational case for what we think ought to be done. We'd like immigration policies that favor the American middle class over foreign countries, corporate elites, and lobbyists. We think that laws passed by our Congress ought to be respected and enforced, not mocked and ignored by our own leaders. We believe that America is an actual place, not just an abstract idea. It's a distinct country with its own history, language, tradition, values. Change, when it comes, ought to be thoughtful and incremental. We owe that to the people who already live here, people of all colors and backgrounds. We're suspicious of efforts to remake our society wholesale, especially just so a small group of tastemakers can feel virtuous or have cheaper nannies. Any change is hard. Demographic change especially is hard. Let's stop lying about that. It always hurts the weak and economically vulnerable first. Someone ought to be thinking about their interests, too. 
Those are our views. And they're not extreme. And we know that because we've seen the polling on the subject. A huge number of Americans agree with what we just said. If you don't believe it, look up the views of African-American voters on illegal immigration. They are not with Joy Reid, to put it mildly. They know what the cost has been. Those who disagree with any of this are always welcome here. This is the only show on television that books guests every night who have a different view. We look hard for the smartest and most articulate people we can find. You can listen to both sides on this show and you can make up your own mind. The organized left hates that. They no longer believe in debate. They believe in power, accumulating it, and most of all, in wielding it. Anyone who gets in their way gets shouted down, in this case, as a racist. That doesn't work anymore. What was once a devastating attack on a person's character is now just background noise. When everything is racist, from ice cream trucks to Dr. Seuss, nothing is. The term has been devalued by reckless overuse. And that's a shame because it still applies. There's still plenty of racism in America, maybe more now possibly than in generations. Americans are attacked openly for their race every day in print, on television, at public gatherings. People are punished for their race in hiring, in college admissions, in government and private contracting. The left supports all of this. It's central to their worldview. It's key to their political strategy, but it's totally wrong. And we plan to keep saying that. We still believe in what used to be the central premise of American liberalism. People ought to be judged on what they do, not on how they look or who their parents were or what their ancestors did. We don't believe in collective punishment or reward. We believe in the individual. And because we do, we think our immigration policy ought to be driven by what each individual can add to America. Nobody has the right to be admitted by lottery or because they happen to be related to someone who's already here or because they snuck in and it's too politically difficult to make them leave. That's what we think. Disagree with it? You are always welcome on this show. From the New York Times, in the Trump era, Joy Reid of MSNBC, the daughter of immigrants, has emerged as a heroine of the resistance to his leadership. A resistance person. No, she hasn't. She's emerged as an irresponsible liberal response to Sean Hannity. <laughs> Ashley Ray, Huh? And, and goes down, she blamed the GOP tax cuts for Amtrak derailment. She blamed U.S. Pacific Command for false missile alarm. She smeared David French. Do you guys remember any of this? But my favorite tweet is the queen of fake news praised by the DNC's unofficial mouthpiece. That That is some rich shit. Joy Reid then goes on a 10,000 fucking tweet. I'm going to read a couple. A friend with experience in the intel world said something one, something to me today that has stayed with me, that the Trump ICE raids terrorized COC as Phil feel of filling a quota and doing so by giving uh, after immigrants who will be easy to arrest nonviolent people with community ties. Are we living in a national Ferguson scenario where ICE agents are engaged in deportation number inflation to allow Trump to say he kept his campaign promise to run illegals out of the U.S.? Of course, Trump will be claimed they're dangerous aliens and gang members and blah, blah, blah. Goes on for 12. Totally omits that Obama has fucking, his numbers will never be reached by Trump. He was the deportation president until the last year when Hillary needed the brown vote. And then... If that's not enough, she has this little nugget. Trump administration is the rape culture administration. So we had, you know, some Republicans on earlier today, and they did the same thing. There's the pivot directly to Democrats, the pivot to Bill Clinton. It's been kind of hard to get in anyone in the administration to directly answer the questions about Rob Porter and Donald Trump. That approach. 
it works with the Fox News crowd. Does it work in, in a larger context? No, and I mean, we don't need to even worry about a kind of monster like Kellyanne Conway who will just say whatever for money. So, so let's disregard her. I think this week was actually a turning point um, with two different staffers, these charges dredged up, this, these, these haunting pictures. Um, and then you have the president's own history of self-declaring himself to be a vagina grabber uh, and winning on that platform. Um, this week was a turning point because I think we're starting to realize that Trumpism doesn't merely tolerate sexual abuse. Uh, sexual abuse is a very apt metaphor for everything Trumpism is. The living, the, the cultivation of fear in everyone, um, the insistence that people are loving it when you are actually degrading and dehumanizing them and making their lives harder and then just going around telling people that the blacks love you, the Hispanics love you, the women love you, um, the, the state of constant insecurity that you create in others and then the inversion of your own insecurities into this attempt to dominate others. Uh, this is a, a, a rape culture presidency and Donald Trump has become the commander-in-chief of American rape culture. Yeah, that lady is leading the resistance. I want you to understand, she doesn't break the top 100 of cable news. I researched it. Not the top 100 in January. See, the problem with you resistance people, you read Joy Reid and MSNBC show record gains, Fox stays flat. And that heading is written by liberals who want you to think the liberal world's getting out. But the reality is, the top shows are from Fox. The top shows are not from MSNBC. And I once again state for factual evidence, Joy Reid isn't even in the top 100. The only people that watch her on the Saturday, Sunday that she's on, because I can't remember when it was, I think it's Saturdays, are racists who hate white people. Instapundit crushes Acosta. Pence to Lester on Porter. The thing, the, that being said, I think the White House has acknowledged that they could have handled it better. Fact check. Pence is part of the White House. Instapundit. Actually, VP isn't part of the White House, but an independent elected official with no executive powers of its own and the offices in the Senate who, oh, forget it, it's Jim Acosta. He knows absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. How can you be the chief White House political reporter for a news agency and not know that the vice president isn't part of the White House? Oh, I know, it's a banana peel. Got it. What we call it an apple? Or is it a zucchini? I don't know. Media Mash, rule, fake news on why, uh, on Russian collusion. Burnett attacks GOP over them proving Obama knew. Nicole Wallace making shit up again. The view again being the crazy old hens they are. Andrea Mitchell puffball interview comparing Biden, wait for it, to a Super Bowl winning quarterback or Rocky. You take your pick of hero, heroes. ABC to work in the White House, you must degradate yourself. You just must do it. And MSNBC floats the lie again that Trump's for kid executions. I couldn't even make that shit up if I wanted to. 
All right, I want to turn now to a tweet from the president where he said, quote, Wow, Senator Mark Warner got caught having extensive content with a lobbyist for a Russian oligarch. Warner did not want a paper trail on a private meeting in London. He requested with Steele a fraudulent dossier fame all tied into crooked Hillary. So this was President Trump's tweet. Marco Rubio, fellow Republican, quickly shut the president down, tweeting, Senator Warner fully disclosed this to the committee four months ago, has had zero impact on our work. President Trump was retweeting a Fox News report. So to President Trump, uh, who talks, who complains so much about fake news out there, you've got a fellow Republican who's on the committee who said, Mark Warner already told us this, and it's a non-starter. What do you make of this? There's so much nonsense with this hashtag hysteria around every week trying to discredit one of these investigations. But is there nonsense and understatement here? The yeah. president, with exclamation points and screaming, is saying something that's... It's just untrue. It's completely false. And why wouldn't they look at the dossier? I mean, the dossier's been out for a year now. Warner is part of the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence that's looking into Russian collusion. This and, he's, is a, and, he, and he's not keeping it a secret. No, and this was a document that was initially funded by Republicans before Democrats and delivered to the FBI by a Republican. Remember, John McCain was one of the people that was advocating that the FBI look at this. So naturally, that, that Intel Committee is going to want to talk to Steele in terms of how this was collected. Good evening, I'm Aaron Burnett. Out front tonight, conspiracy craze. Republicans are at it again. The conspiracy du jour is that President Obama had, quote, personal involvement in the Clinton email scandal. So there's a 25-page report that is out now by the Republican Senator Ron Johnson. And in it, he cites a text message between two FBI officials. Yes, we are talking about Peter Strzok and Lisa Page again here. There were a number of other ones that were unsettling. I'm confident that the Office of the Inspector General, which has the case, mm -hmm. it's not bipartisan. It's nonpartisan. Mm -hmm. I trust they'll get to the bottom of this. And that's, and that's of course, where, where an investigation should be. Yes. Not in the partisan sphere uh, where, where Senator Johnson and others are trying to put it. You know, it's not the president's job to come to our level. It's our job to go to his. So it's our job to brief him on threats to the nation in whatever manner he wants it. So the idea that he likes pictures and graphs, um, that's his prerogative. He's the president. What's troubling is that is that it doesn't seem that there's, there's, there's anything briefed to him consistently. Are and you surprised idea, that nothing has happened? I mean, nothing I'm shocked. Major has I'm shocked. And, and you know, I'm, I'm trying to stop being shocked. I'm trying to stop being outraged. It's just it's not healthy. But but the idea that the president of the United States, we are still a country um, fighting the, the daily threats of, of terrorism, and, and it's only because of the policies that. Um, that two presidents now have kept up, but President Obama largely maintained a lot of the counter-terror posture that, that the Bush um, administration put the country on. It, that we have a president that doesn't even want to know what the threats are to the nation on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. Kelly says that he was shocked, mm. shocked, I tell you, when he saw photographs of the abuse. We but the White House knew the FBI held up port of security clearance over this a long time ago. This happened. The, the, White, uh, the, the FBI White said... We, he doesn't have security clearance because he may have abused these women. Mm -hmm. But why is Kelly so shocked? Shocked, well, I we tell We shouldn't you. make levy All of events. Sudden. We're talking about the abuse of a woman. I mean, look at that photo. Two. We should not We're be laughing. About Kelly. We're, We're talking, talking about, about Kelly. We're not talking about abuse right now. Don't say something one like that. Like, we are laughing and making We are laughing at him being shocked. It's not. It's very serious. Well, look, and as a Republican, I am offended. As a Democrat, I'm offended by Republicans. You know what? Republicans.
so all we Republicans can. probably can, everywhere offended by me sitting here. I'm offended I'm a by a party that backs a racist. That, oh my uh, that, God! That oh come on! Oh come on, Megan! Seventy-two percent of the Republican Party thinks you know, he's a good role model. I'm I'm actually going on the Van Jones show on Saturday, and I was actually looking forward to talking about this in a way that yeah. is respectful yeah. and not being told that just because I'm a Republican, I'm offending you. We are not going to move the needle one way or the other. Just throwing out platitudes and hubris like that. Yeah, and, and I would like to have a real conversation either. about. Oh really? Oh really? We'll I don't see. know why you're sitting here saying you're offended by all Republicans. I'm trying to give you because my because seventy-two percent of them are backing a racist. And, and somebody who has abused women, that's why. Could what, you have I, beaten Donald Trump? Oh, I don't know. You look, you know, I read up, everybody's saying but not every Biden can beat. Look, you got to be in the ring, man. you got to be in the ring. I have no idea what I would have beaten Donald Trump. There's a parade going that's on true. in Philadelphia. <laughs> there is. Nick Foles said the other day, don't be afraid to fail. Failure is part of life. It's Absolutely. part of building character. Without failure, who would we be? He's absolutely right. Does that, does that inspire you when you think about, you've run for president twice, when you yeah. think about the future? So is there some part of Joe Biden who's identifying with Nick Foles and the team as they climb that the, stair, the steps of the art museum today? Is, is there no, a part I, of you that thinks about Rocky Balboa? The only thing that's right for me to do now is to try to stop this enormous erosion of the moral fabric that's at the hands of Donald Trump and the Republicans. Thank you, Joe Biden. Thank, Thank you. you, Mr. President. But you have to imagine somebody who's called for this chief of staff job. What do they say to the president? What do they demand? What could, what could he induce? How could he induce them to take it? It's as David said, the problem is the president. When you hear names like Gary Cohn, when you hear these, you actually want to say to these people, is this what you're willing to do? Are you willing to degrade your humanity, your integrity, your very being? And what you want to leave as a legacy to this country, it is about this country. It is about what they want to project. And if that's what uh, Gary Cohn or someone else that goes in that job, you are leaving your humanity, oh, but your there's integrity, always, and your dignity. There's always someone who is willing to say, uh, I owe it to my country. I'm, you know, maybe I can have the impact that others didn't on him. That's a false hope. Welcome back. President Trump getting sharply criticized after appearing to come to the defense of staff members accused of domestic abuse. Saturday, uh, Trump tweeted, people's lives are being shattered and destroyed by a mere allegation. Is there no such thing any longer uh, as due process? But Trump himself has been known for making serious allegations without allowing justice to run its course. In 1989, when five African-American and Latino teenagers were accused of raping a jogger in New York Central Park, Trump bought a newspaper ad suggesting they should be executed. The so-called Central Park Five were later exonerated. Yusuf Salem was one of those defendants. He joins me now uh, from Atlanta. Yusuf, thanks so much for joining me on the Sunday afternoon. Very much uh, appreciate it. It's good to talk to you. Uh, you wrote oh, it's an, my pleasure. You wrote an op-ed uh, back in 2016, and, and you wrote, Trump has smeared dozens of people with no regard uh, for the truth. So, so I imagine, Yusuf, uh, you were not surprised by the president's reactions this last Saturday uh, to Rob Porter. No, not at all. To me, it's all institutional protectionism. You know, and that's the part that's unfortunate because we live in two different Americas. One America where your rights are protected, we'll help you out, you know, it's the good old boys club. And the other America that people spell with three K's. There was another Central Park Five uh, defendant, Raymond Santana, and he tweeted this uh, in response uh, to President Trump's due process tweet yesterday. He wrote, you should have spoke like that back in 1989. You called for the death penalty. We were 14 and 15-year-old kids. 
Um, have you heard from the others, from the other Central Park Five? Have you, oh. uh, have you talked to them? What, what, what's been the conversation between you guys? You know, we talk about these kinds of things all the time. We've been, we've, we've become brothers through this process, you know, brothers through the fire, you know, and we're very, very close. We're very um, much in communication with each other. A lot of us try to hit things from different angles. I'm a motivational speaker, so I'm always out there on the circuit uh, pushing out positive messages and things like that. And I most certainly spoke to Raymond about this thing, and it was like, you know, the audacity of someone who called for our death, who very, very well this thing could have turned into a modern-day Emmett Till. We became modern-day Scottsboro boys. And so that tweet that, that uh, Raymond put out there was so on time and so on topic, you know, um, and I was just really congratulating him, you know, again for doing <laughs> some amazing work on Twitter, you know, to combat these things that we see Donald Trump continuing to do. Yusuf, um, uh, the president in his tweet, as I mentioned earlier, he had said that lives are ruined uh, by yes. these false allegations. What was your... So in addition to Armenia Mash, I have a couple other ones, and one's my favorite, which will play last, but this one is the narrative, the media narrative. Here's some excerpts from a Rutenberg essay about the brave war on Trump and the lies of the swift boat, swift boaters. Suddenly our mission got really clear, but a funny thing happened inside the Times headquarters and its bureau throughout the world. An early sense of trepidation was quickly replaced with a new sense of mission. There was a palpable excitement over the chance to show traditional journalism's true worth in the face of administration that was clearly going to use misdirection, misinformation, and barbs against the press as a governing tool. Somebody's going to get hurt. The best example came with Swift Boat Veterans for Truth campaign against Senator John Kerry in 2004. The first modern example of fake news swaying an election. The effort was based on the polemic book about Mr. Kerry by the conservative conspiracy theorist and best-selling author Jerome Corsi. As my colleague Kate Zernicki and I reported in front page 4,000 word investigation that August, claims that John Kerry fabricated blah, 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 blah. Our reporting helped end that campaign, forced the firing of President Bush's lead campaign attorney, who had secretly worked for the group, and stopped the spread of lies. Many members of that crowd live in informational silos. Three or four platforms that provide these silos, Google, Facebook, and Twitter, are promising to fix their algorithms so that more people see more diverse takes on the news. I remain skeptical. skeptical. So do I. Rutenberg, because here's a CNN tweet today. Trump, who reportedly enjoys treating himself to an extra scoop of ice cream after dinner every night, proposes cutting billions in social support and health care and delivering sad boxes of cereal and canned meat, writes Jim Phil Jill Filipovic for CNN Opinion. That lady is a liberal activist. You reported it like real journalism. So, Rutenberg did what I like to call the liberal two-step. Those guys were horrible for swift boat, but man, we are truthful with our swift boating. And here's a couple other sound bites of the narrative of the week.
Um, you're going to make a prediction that this is sort of the beginning of something that actually... I mean, let's just assert it. The Russia investigation has not done Donald Trump much political harm. Do you think that defending um, men who abuse women and, and, and men accused of sexual misconduct is going to be the thing that starts to eat away even at his 35%? I think it's been chipping away at him ever since the Access Hollywood video had his voice saying the kind of derogatory women, the language of sexual assault coming in his own voice from his own mouth. And I think that it's continuing now to the Stormy Daniels payout. The that amount of women that said, about. yeah, I know that, I disagree, and but, 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 my husband needs a job, but Melania's I'm tired of this behavior, other stuff. You can tell from Melania's bearing and the way that oh, she please. publicly yeah. is handling herself in the White House that she's not happy. This narrative is sunk it. in. First of all, it was the Trump administration who manufactured this crisis. We had a, a DACA program that allowed folks to stay in this country with work permits that were thoroughly vetted. And now he arbitrarily cancels the program and then he uses it as a bargaining chip to try to uh, uh, basically create, manufacture again his wildest uh, anti-immigrant racist warped dreams. I mean, this is a failing administration. But George, I'll just interrupt you. I, I hear you. We're on the same side on this one. But sure. what, what exactly, what's the difference between what, what is good and what can be had? I mean, ultimately what we want is Democrats to step up and create real solutions. Now, if you hear in there some interesting stuff, it is the pivot again away from Russia. All the news coming out right now is very bad for the Dems. It's showing Obama knew. It showed that Steele was full of shit. It shows Orr was part of it. That's why it was let go. Every accusation they floated, everything about fake news, they've all been crushed because it was them manufacturing drama. So now they're like, can we grab a hold of this? Somebody beat somebody up 10 years ago and we didn't get it. The problem is Ben Rhodes, who actually wrote the Iran lies and deceit to the American people that gave billions of dollars to fucking terrorists and allowed them to improve their nuclear program. He never got a security clearance, boys and girls. That was released this week by the Washington Free Beacon. They never even applied for it because he couldn't get one. So if you're going to say vetting's bad, blah, 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 simultaneously, all you had to do is go on Twitter and conservatives all over the place showing people who used to beat the fuck out of people with Obama. But that's the pivot. Secondly, the narrative's Doc again. He's a piece of shit. He doesn't care about people because he wants to change the social, uh, basically social safety net. Trump didn't shut the net. He didn't shut the government down over DACA. You did. You have said eight or 80 blind, crippled, or crazy, whether they're criminal or not, they get to stay in the country. We don't give a fuck about criminals. We don't care that people are getting killed. We don't care that people have the highest DUI rate in Arizona and states that actually track it are illegal immigrants without license insurance or anything. That was them. But that's the pivot. And here are my favorites of the week. Sarah Sanders crushing... The media for leaking. I think it's perfect. She really pivoted very good on them. And then CNN interviews normal Americans. And once again, they want to get normal America saying, the Russia thing's so important. We really care about this. We want our security for our elections. And all they get is what it is. No, no, no. It's just a witch hunt. It's a swift boat, Ruttenberg. And from there, we'll go to our stat of the day. 
Thanks. Why are high-level aides allowed to work with classified information without permanent security? Once again, that's a question that um, the FBI and uh, other intelligence communities, they make that determination. That's not something that's decided by the White House. It's the same way that it has been. I'm sorry. Can you guarantee that you are protecting classified information given that you have someone like Rob Porter who didn't have a permanent security clearance? I think we're doing and taking every step we can to protect classified information. I mean, frankly, if you guys have such concern with classified information, there's plenty of it that's leaked out of the Hill, that's leaked out of other uh, communities well beyond the White House walls. If you guys have real concerns about leaking out classified information, look around this room. You guys are the ones that publish classified information and put national security at risk. That doesn't come from this White House. I'm with four Trump voters, an aerobics instructor, a banker, a former baseball player, and a salesman. President Trump's approval ratings with his base and these Iowans are sky high. I think exactly what I voted for. Uh, we wanted some, a little bit of a change from what we had before. These voters trust Trump, but they do not trust the Russia investigation. They consider the whole thing a political witch hunt. Uh, from the, from the get-go. Uh, to be honest, it's a disgrace. They don't believe in the investigation because they don't believe the investigators. Do you have faith in the FBI? <laughs> Hell no. No? No, absolutely not. You think that the FBI has a political bias? I, in, in this I, I believe yes. Yeah. I want to preface by saying it's not the FBI, it's, it's the leadership of the FBI. Agreed. That has politicize this. And in this situation, the people that have at the top of the food chain have decided that they don't like the game. They're, they're going to change it. They're going to play by their rules. They see nothing wrong with President Trump questioning the allegiance of Justice Department officials, even though a recent poll found two-thirds of voters did think that was wrong. I think it gives him an idea of where people are coming from, where they, um, where they stand, exactly. And why, yeah, like you said, why wouldn't you want to know? Do they believe the president has attempted to derail or obstruct the Russia investigation? No. No. I mean, he said, bring it on. They all knew of the Nunez memo, but are divided on the Democrat memo. Do you want to see that as well? Yes. Yes, full transparency. I don't have no need to read the Democratic memo. I'm ready to move on as a country. I asked if they thought Trump should agree to be interviewed by special counsel Robert Mueller. Is that a good idea? He's very transparent. He's open. He's, I think we talked before, he's not afraid. It was not under um, a subpoena or if it was not under uh, oath. Ironically, even though these Trump voters think the Russia investigation is seriously flawed, they want to see it through. So you don't want to see Mueller fired? No. Let it run the course. They're doing the right thing. Let it run its course. Because the truth will come out. This one is pretty cut and dry. I'm going to read it. President Obama began the conversation by stressing his continued commitment to ensuring that every aspect of this issue is handled by the intelligence and law enforcement communities by the book. The president stressed that he is not asking about initiating or instructing 
anything from a law enforcement perspective. He reiterated that our law enforcement team needs to proceed as it normally would by the book. Who do you think wrote that? Former National Security Advisor Susan Rice to herself. Now that it's been released that he knew by the two lovers at the FBI, miraculously this email was pulled out by Susan Rice, January 20th, 2017. They were prepared to do this. They were prepared to have this email written to yourself about uh, something that happened so they could defend themselves the moment they left office. This is what we call foreshadowing and covering up what they knew would eventually be discovered by a conservative administration. That is crooked as fuck. Joe Jose M. Garardi, scientists warn of unusually cold sun. Will we face another ice age in 2050? I just had to cover that. Global cooling, warmer. What the fuck, dude? Figure it out. Bermuda becomes first jurisdiction in the world to repeal same-sex marriage. The British Island Territory swaps marriage for domestic partnership for LGBT couples and a move criticized as attack on equal rights but demanded by their citizens. Once again, it's why the left and the gay agenda never put this up for a vote because they know what the answer would be. Georgia's considering a highway for just trucks. That is the smartest thing ever. Please, Georgia. 75 is a hot fucking dumpster fire. 24 is even worse to get to you. Yeah, do it, please. CNN runs a bullshit story that more U.S. teens are rejecting boy or girl gender identities, the study found. But even within theirs, the research published Monday in the journal Pediatrics found that almost 3% of Minnesota teens did not identify as a boy or girl. A UCLA study from a year ago estimates that 0.7% of teens identify as transgender, and that is the same number of America. And as I always say, 0.3% of us fought in the wars. Why don't you care about us? A great stat of the day, and you'll never see this in the media, changes in abortion legislation are sweeping the country. Conservatives and pro-lifers should feel encouraged that 2017 saw more wins for pro-life legislation, including those adopted in 2017. States have enacted 401 abortion restrictions per the Guttmacher Institute. And I trust their reporting because I don't think they have a slant in it. Legislators in 30 states have reduced abortion bans with six states enacting new laws. A Mississippi House committee, sorry guys, I got the dogs and the the puppy is a dick today. I, I can't get him to chill. A Mississippi House committee approved a bill Tuesday that would outlaw most abortions after 15 weeks. House Bill 1510 would ban women from having abortions after said timestamp unless the unborn baby is not expected to survive. Mississippi already has a ban on 20 weeks. No state currently bans abortion before 20 weeks of pregnancy. 20 other states ban abortion after more than 20 weeks of gestation. A Missouri judge ruled in October that the state's 72-hour waiting period is constitutional, rejecting PPFA's bullshit. 
Missouri is also considering a ban on 20 weeks. Kasich, who is the liberal resistance run for president, we love you guy, he just signed a, signed a bill, House Bill 2214 in December, effectively banning doctors from aborting babies just because they have Down syndrome. The doctor who performs the abortion would be held responsible and would receive a fourth-degree felony. The woman would receive nothing. That kind of skirts around the bullshit from the left. Down syndrome abortion are also in Oklahoma, Missouri, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, and Utah. Iowa voted Thursday to approve Senate Bill 3143 that outlaws abortion if a fetal heartbeat is detected upon ultrasound. A heartbeat typically becomes between six and nine weeks. On this one, any doctor performs or attempts to perform an abortion on a woman after a heartbeat, class D felony, fined up to $7,500, and five years in prison. The bill does allow, however, allow abortions in the case where the mother's life is in danger. This may be what our culture is ready for, said a state senator from Iowa. Stopping a beating heart is never health care. The U.S. House approved the born-alive abortion thing for 20 weeks, the left who loves aborting babies, so go fuck yourself. Ohio Supreme Court also revoked the license of abortion clinic in Toledo, Ohio, Tuesday after a year of inspection violations and failure to meet the state's abortion clinic standards. The state Supreme Court upheld the Ohio Department of Health order revoking the license of Toledo Capital Care Abortion Clinic because it repeatedly failed to produce a written transfer agreement with the hospital for emergency cases. State inspectors also found 24 violations at the abortion clinic in the past 10 years, according to the Columbus Dispatch. Toledo now hosts no abortion clinics. I watched a Vice show, all right, and a Vice show was about abortion. It's called Hate Thy Neighbor. The guy's kind of funny, but he's a libtard. And it made me research here. And the closest abortion clinic I could find was in Nashville. It's a PPFA. They don't do abortions after 17 weeks and 6 days. But they can refer you somewhere to stab your toddler. That's what the site said. Per SOP, it didn't say anything about how much it's going to cost you. Politico magazine is hyping Joe Kennedy III for president. That's the next person you're going to hear. It's going to work. New York Times' Barry Weiss doubled down on the stupidest tweet ever. Uh, she tweeted, and I just had a pace for you, sorry. Uh, Weiss tweeted out praise for U.S. skater Marai Nagasu, who made history this week by becoming the first female U.S. Olympian to land a triple axle. Weiss congratulated Nagasu by saying, immigrants get the job done. Problem is... Nagasu is an immigrant, and she was born in California. When confronted by it, she said, yeah, I realize it, but I felt the poetic license was kosher. Why did I put it in the stats of the day? Because, my friends, that's what we've been living under since Trump started running for president. A lot of poetic license. We're just going to make shit up. We're going to lie. We're going to freak out. We're going to talk about 800 fucking intel committees. And we're just going to make shit up. And that's just poetic license. That's our media. Before we go to music break, the last stat of the day, and it's just a beautiful thing. Feds collect record taxes in the first month under tax cut. 
runs surplus in January. Did you hear that on CNN? Nope. ABC, NBC, CBS, PBS, MSDNC? Nope. I got that from local. I thought we're going to live in the dark ages. People of color are going to have to start, like, eating themselves because they'll have no food because it's racist. You fucking people suck. To a music break and segment one, the Florida shooting. It'll start off with the most heinous shit I've ever seen on TV, and I watched it live.
Welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast with Tony Reed. You think it's antiseptic. It's not. I talked to a terrorist who almost died because he wanted to blow up a weapon, a car bomb. And he was sent to blow up that car bomb by ISIS and Al-Qaeda. And they didn't tell him he was going to go blow up the car bomb. When he detonated, the car caught fire. It didn't blow up. And I talked to him after he lost a lot of his skins, his hands, his feet. I have ten nieces and nephews. We're talking about bump stocks. We're talking about legislation. A child of God is dead. Cannot we acknowledge in this country that we can't, we cannot accept this? I can't do it, Wolf. I'm sorry. We can't do it. Yeah. Oops. All right. Uh, uh, we're going to get back to you, but you're, 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 you're obviously, this is so emotional. Unfortunately, it happens all too often, and as a result... This country is not serious about understanding where we fall short of international standards. If you look at simple statistics, I'm an analyst by training. In math and sciences, if you look at our co countries around the world, our kids are not educated. And yet we say we're exceptional. If you look at health statistics, whether a kid is going to be healthy, infant mortality, we are mediocre. Life expectancy, we are mediocre. But we can't compare ourselves to other countries because we say we're exceptional. The reason I raise that is that in this case, we are going to say we're an exceptional country. If you look at other peer countries in places like Japan or Western Europe, they do not have the incidence of violence against children that we have in this country. We, we cannot in education, in health, in death by guns, look in a mirror and say, actually, if we're going to be exceptional, we need to know we're going to, we're going to improve. Great places to live, but these names will always be associated with tragedy. And that city you're in, Washington, if you match it against public opinion polls of their constituents, the lawmakers in that city are failing American people every day. Thank you so much, Brian. And that, of course, is the question. So much about American exceptionalism is wonderful. How different we are from the rest of the world is wonderful. The country of opportunity and true freedom. And this part of the American exceptional story isn't so easy to sell to the rest of the yeah. world. That was live on air. That is a Trump-hating FBI agent who was part of the Mueller investigation. First, he broke down crying, acting like a fool. And then he goes on the awesome newsroom rant about how fucked up America is. Fucked up! America's fucked up! That guy was an FBI agent. So you resistance people out there, you know, I don't think everybody in the FBI was pro-Hillary. I think that's why Comey got forced to do some stern statements while they weren't investigating Hillary. I don't think those guys were pro-Trump by any means, but they had integrity. They're supposed to be neutral, just like soldiers. They don't have a side. It's all about justice, right? But you hear a guy who is a year removed or a couple months removed from the Federal Bureau of Investigation and now you know why everybody who's pro-Trump and most of us people in the middle that think Russia is just a goat fuck that you made up to try to impeach a president. 
That's why we believe there's dirty deeds done dirt cheap, as ACD would say, ACDC, in this Russia investigation. I mean, do you want an FBI agent who thinks America sucks? A CIA agent? A soldier? I know you do, because you want Chelsea Bradley fucking, I don't even know what gender I am, but I'm a hero. You like those kind of soldiers. Or the ones under Bush who refused to deploy to an unethical war in Iraq. You guys jerked off with fucking Crisco over that shit. And while I was watching this shit show, I saw an expert, and yes, I just air quoted, show in his fingers the size of a 223 bullet is two inches long. Almost three. He had his fingers, that's the size of his bullet. And it tumbles down range for maximum killing. Folks, a 223 round is maybe a third of an inch long at the tip, the round itself. The cartridge is two and a half inches long or something like that. I've never actually measured it, but I'm sure it's like two and a half inches long. But it's a 22 round. And it's fired out of a weapon with rifling so that it aims true and spirals downrange. Yes, it starts tumbling towards max ordnance, which is a fancy word for the end of the bullet. It's going to fall on the ground because it's got no more steam. It doesn't tumble. The 223 round was made and the AR was used because if it hits me in the shoulder, it goes out my dick. That's how it kills things. It doesn't tumble. But that's your experts. I saw guys line up to go, I would like anybody to impinge my honor as a weapons guy, but we need to talk about this. Another security guy. I can't remember where he's from. I want to say he's ATF. But you can't get on CNN unless you hate America. So they pull all these guys out, and I will bet you as sure as I'm a fat, bald guy. In fact, I'll even, I'll bet you, I'll bet my balls. You take my balls away from me. That was planted. They were told to cry. They were told to go anti-America, anti-weapon from Jump Street. Because the entire Wolf Blitzer thing that my wife flipped to from Fox, because they were doing talking with Marco Rubio, and we were just trying to find out, you know, how bad it was, was all this. It was, nothing was about the bodies, because they didn't even know yet. It was just all gun control. Wolf Blitzer and company have a package set up with people that can say the right words the progressives like, and they roll them out in every one of these. How do I know that? Well... The entire fucking media jumped on. This following soundbite, majority started before we even knew how many people were killed, and it ends at the end. Where they know, and they're just going all in. It's ABC blaming Trump for the shooting and saying he doesn't have any serious gun control. CNN demanding gun control... And this is before they knew how people were shot. This is when it first got released. Don Lemon fear-mongering. MSDNC saying anybody who's for the Second Amendment's got a suicide pact, which I don't even know what the fuck that means. All that's pushing bogus stats made by, made by an anti-2A group. Now, I want you just to think as you're listening to this. Have you ever heard pro-life, pro-immigration from like, 
you know, pro-immigration control or immigration laws, like from the Heritage Foundation, or pro-life stuff from like Life News or the March from Life. Have you ever seen that used in stats and graphics? They actually admitted that's what they were doing. And they put it out there. The reality is you're going to end on a student saying what all normal Americans, that today I talk to everybody, for people who literally ask me, why do you have that gun? I'm not a gun person. I understand why you have the gun. Oh, you use it for sport. Yeah. And then when I say my wife owns one, they go, oh, really? Yeah. She likes shooting. But my ammo's locked. My guns are locked. My gun just doesn't get up and go down to the local school and shoot people. Because this soundbite is what every American heard, and that was it. The school noted he was psycho. He was banned from there. He couldn't bring back on, backpacks on. Something broke down for a guy to walk on and just start shooting people. He got in the door with a rifle. You can't hide that. So I'm going to play this, and I'm going to take a quick break from all the hate you're going to see come down. And explain to those that aren't in the country or people on the left side or the right side that listen to me that have no clue about gun culture how this kid got a gun. George, yes, just a few minutes ago, we did hear from uh, White House Deputy Press Secretary Lindsey Walters, who told us that President Trump, uh, who is here at the White House right now, has been briefed on this shooting in Florida. We are expecting a briefing um, within the hour from Press Secretary Sarah Sanders. And, of course, as you know, George, this uh, this very tragic incident comes as this White House is in turmoil right now over this Rob Porter scandal. So they've got a lot on their plate here today. They have a lot going on there today. So, see, OK, we'll get back to you soon. President Trump was made aware of this shooting as the scene was unfolding late today, tweeting his prayers and condolences. ABC senior White House correspondent Cecilia Vega joined us live from the White House tonight. And Cecilia, we know that since taking office, President Trump has addressed the nation three times after mass shootings, something his predecessors had to do and often as well. 17 times for President Obama by our count, David. But for President Trump, there's been a theme in many of his remarks. After that church shooting in Texas, President Trump said it would be a little too soon to talk about gun laws. After the massacre in Las Vegas, he said we'll be talking, quote, we will talk about gun laws as time goes on. David, there has not been a a very serious public policy conversation about gun control here at this administration in this White House. The president tweeted today, no child, teacher, or anyone else should ever feel unsafe safe in an American school. We will see if this is the one that forces that policy conversation. All right. Cecilia Vega live at the White House. Cecilia, thanks as always. And then finally, Brooke, I mean, you said it um, yet again. I mean, you just you cannot have these conversations with at least saying um, every time uh, we are the only nation that has this kind of violence and presumably you know, gun violence, obviously, uh, in particular, focused on our children. It is just ridiculous. My daughter is coming home from an urban high school in the next 20 minutes. It's um, it's like no other country uh, lives or uh, allows themselves to live. And here we are another time having a discussion about guns as being a security issue for our children. I know. I was just talking to a seven-year-old on my show this week who lost her six-year-old friend at a school shooting in uh, in South Carolina. She wrote a she wrote a letter to the president, and I couldn't have put it better. You know, the seven-year-old said, "Mr. President, how are you going to keep children?" Do you feel safe tonight? 
There's another fact that we need to face. Every single one of us is just playing the odds at this point. The odds that in a country of 325 million souls, that we won't be the ones who get hit by the next bullets that start flying. We won't be the one that gets that, that phone call about someone you love who did. Your son, your daughter, your brother, your sister, your spouse, or your parent, even a friend, anyone you know. The phone call that changes your life. But with every deadly shooting in this country, the odds get worse and worse and worse. Are you really willing to keep playing those odds? Your life is too precious for that. The lives of our loved ones are too precious. The lives of the people in our cities and towns are too precious. Have we forgotten that life is a gift? It's a disgrace that this is still happening after Sandy Hook. Columbine, Virginia Tech, Emanuel AME Church, Pulse nightclub shooting, Las Vegas, the list goes on and on and on. This is who we are right now. But is this really who we want to be? A country where anybody at any time could be shot to death. Again, not to take away people's rights, but uh, we can't turn the Second Amendment into a suicide pact. And that's what we seem to do. We're so worried about any kind of little, little thing that could violate any little, little right that we're just all going to be slaughtered for it. And uh, it, it just needs, it's just crazy thinking. Some of those arguments really are, are not very, very grounded. We, we can do much better on that. You know, scenes like these today, shootings at schools, an all-too-familiar sight now across this country. This shooting, by one count, the 18th just this year. Multiple fatalities at several of those shootings. Perhaps the biggest question, why is this happening more frequently? This year, there have already been 18 school shootings. There were seven by this time last year. Since 2013, the number of school shootings has steadily risen, with the sole exception being 2016, when there were only 48. Only, as if that was in any way acceptable or normal. This horrifying shooting in Florida marks the 18th time that gunfire has erupted on a school campus in America just since the start of this year. With more now on these tragedies and images that have become disturbingly common in our country, we turn to NBC's Kristen Dahlgren. Over and over, it's become the iconic footage. Students running from a school with their hands up. Columbine, Sandy Hook, and now Parkland. School shootings so familiar, they go by just one name. Images that look so similar. And yet each time, new families are ripped apart. According to Every Town for Gun Safety, this is the 18th time a gun was fired on school grounds. Honestly, a lot of people were, were, were saying that it was going to be him, stuff like that. We actually, we threw, a lot of kids threw jokes around like that, saying that he was going to be the one that screwed up the school, but it turns out, you know, everyone predicted it. It's, it's, that's crazy. Well, he must have come on the campus then, right? Yeah, he was on the third floor. He knows the school layout. He knows where everyone would, would be at as of right now. He, he's been in this fire drills. He's prepared for this stuff. And no time during any of this that I saw on CNN any of this I saw on MSNBC, did anybody pro two-way have a voice from start to finish, and it's still going today, it's anti-gun. Questions I've been asked by clueless, non-gun-owning people. He's 19 years old, the legal age to get a rifle like that is 18. He can buy it. 
He fills out a 4473. If he doesn't have anything on his background because you do an FBI check, you get the weapon. Yes, gun stores can tell people no. They don't have to sell it to them. But like any other business, unless he says something crazy, you're going to sell him that gun. And when you're selling an AR, by regulation, you're only selling the lower receiver. I can go out and buy the bolt, the upper receiver, sights, the buttstock, the pistol grip. I can buy the buffer, the buffer spring, and own all of that. I just have to do a background check to get the lower receiver. That's it. That's all an AR is. The rest of it isn't controlled. That's how bump stocks got into Las Vegas. It's a buttstock. I have 10 in my garage. They're useless. I can hit you over the head with it. That's it. But the fact of the matter is, as we go through all these tweets, he was a known psychopath that never should have gone on the school. But he did. And even if you banned ARs today, there are 10 million of them fucking things in the United States. And there's weapons that are way worse. I hate to say it, I'd rather get shot by a 5.56 than a 30 6 That's a big round. It's going to take most of me with it as it exits. Because remember, a bullet hits something at mushrooms. The entrance hole is the diameter of the round. The exit... I heard once five to six times the size of the round, depending on what it hits. But it's going to take a chunk of flesh with it. And I'll do my closing comments before we go to segment two. But I just want you to think as you're going through this. What in the fuck is wrong with these people that the moment somebody gets shot, this is what they do? Chris Hayes, is the White House really hiding behind a school shooting so they don't have to answer questions about a host scandal in the administration? Chelsea Handler. We have to elect candidates that are not funded by the NRA in November. We have the opportunity to elect candidates who won't allow kids to go to school and get shot. It is disgusting how many times this is happening, and Republicans are doing nothing. You all have blood on your hands. Republicans killed those kids. Kind of sounds like the media. Liz Wheeler, not a single comment condemning the shooter himself, the murderer, the perpetrator of the evil, but you tell Republicans they have blood on their hands? Shut the fuck up. Two sports reporters, I'm going to talk about Stephen A. in a second, Anita Kinka, whatever the fuck, the NRA says the AR-15 is a hunting rifle. After the AR-15 was used to massacre the innocent of Sandy Cook, list, 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 do they hunt humans? Another Dallas sports reporter, Mike Leslie. Mez- Mike Leslie, step one, mass shooting. Two, casualties. Three, sadness. Four, anger. Both sides make political arguments. Five, six, both sides say the side is politicizing or trashing. Seven, nothing ever changes. Wait for next mass shooting. Some truth in that, that's for sure. Then the usual, Dana Loesch and her kids. It's pretty much a guarantee that in the wake of a shooting, Vol... Vultures will swarm and point their gnarled claws at the NRA. We already told you about the outline editor tweeted that the NRA must be destroyed. Not to be outdone, author Molly Jong Fass on opportunity to blame NRA spokesman Dana Loach for the deadly shooting. 
Does the blood on your hands feel sticky? She can't tell it's blood or super beet juice. She's one of those lizard people, loves to hate it. You know Republicans. Every shooting I think of her and her ranting and threats, she had to be human first. Does she advocate for open carry of bazookas and howitzers? Are you kidding? Dana Loesch is on cloud nine right now. Every time a shooting happens, she gets a huge bonus. Molly Knight, your campaign took $36 million from the NRA. Save your prayers. You took three point nine, and she lists all this stuff. Then one of her fucking sheeple, and I play bomb sounds of sheep bang. Dems have to ignore the rules and start screaming on the floor of the Congress. Let them be disciplined. Let them be sanctioned. Fuck these kids are dying. Drastic ashes. Fuck Dana Loesch. Fuck the NRA. Fuck everybody. Be another shooting of a conservative real soon. It's coming. Charlotte Clymer. I'm a military veteran, a proud Texan, and a gun owner, and I'm sick and tired of seeing thoughts and prayers. Tweets from politicians who clearly care far more about their NRA campaign contribution than making safer country for our children. You're not a vet. Shut up. Then there was a hashtag. If I die in a mass shooting, I want you to politicize the fuck out of it. Hundreds did it. Then they decided to intersectionality. Republicans need to fight for universal gun ownership against universal health care. Mental. On days like this, thoughts of prayers and no further action may as well be bullets in the next mass shooting. A black person. Republicans care more about keeping immigrants out of the country than keeping their old children alive. Gun control now. That was our next one. Because they had like 85 hashtags. All of them trended. Because they're liberals. All of them trended. Couldn't find a trending one for anybody else, but all of them trended for the lips. The persistence to anyone pushing for gun control while blood hasn't even dried yet. Schools are gun-free zones and fewer victims could have been injured if we had trained teachers and security guards. He's right. Mark Dice. We don't have gun control in America. Gun problem in America. We have a mental health problem. Gun control now will not solve the underlying issue. Red Phil. Gun control now. Or you could just raise your children better. It's not a gun. They'll use a car, a knife, or whatever they can get their hands on to commit these terrible atrocities. The former student who's in custody clearly has serious mental health problems and commits such crime. A person runs someone over the car, it's a person's fault. A person stabs someone else, it's a person's fault. A person shoots someone, and it's a gun's fault. What is wrong with you people? Carmel Sabia, not... To be take talking politics as the progress is progressive doing, predictably with gun control now, but majority Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkview as every high school is a gun free zone. The shooter did not obey the law. Then there are people who actually decide to come back with something constructive. Have armed Leo allow teachers to conceal carry. And my best one was Australian Minister Bob Katner appeared on Sky News Australia to talk about gun deaths. His statement, The highest death rate with guns was in East Germany when it was a communist country. The lowest is Europe with Switzerland, where every single household had a gun. There's no relationship between gun ownership and death. And that is from a man who lives in a country where they made everybody turn their guns back in. That's the liberal Utopia. 
They went so far that Stephen A. went intersectionality and said every black person in America saw that white boy get shackled and carried off, even though he ignored the fact that the boy put his guns down, or the killer did, and was trying to walk out like there was nothing wrong. There's a girl who's literally online, CNN carried it, that she saw him and talked to him and he acted like nothing was going on. He was trying to sneak the fuck out. Yeah, that's what he was doing. He was going to sneak out. That's why they shackled him. But it was racism, he said. Because I got off my train of thought. Racism. All black people saw it, so white boy gets away. Folks, it's pretty simple. You know I'm a pro-lifer. PPFA gets $550 million a year, the illegally, because the Hyde Amendment wasn't written correctly, 776,000 babies are killed with the morning after pill. 776,000. America is overwhelmingly 74% doesn't want to pay for that. 64% want a 20-week ban. But PPFA owns... Democrats so bad that that bill, which has a plurality, couldn't pass the Senate. 51 conservatives voted for it, 46 Democrats and conservatives and liberal states voted against. Some Democrats flipped over and voted for. That couldn't pass because they're owned. And for those that are new to the show... Just go back in the episodes. It was already proven. The NRA couldn't wish to give as much money as the PPFA does to politicians. They can't even tip the scale. Because they don't get $550 million. The NRA gets zero from the federal government. Each year, PPFA kills 1,076,000 kids on average. That's two years in a row. That's about it. When you add up morning after pills and the 327, 328, 340,000 chemi- me- mechanical abortions they do, the NRA kills zero people. People kill people. So as you go up to the NRA and say they own Washington and you say the blood's on their hand, you're just a sheep because none of that's true. You could change the gun laws and say you must be 21 to open own an AR and treat it like a handgun. You could do that. Not going to change the fact that crazy is going to get it because they don't obey the law. You can restrict everything you want. You could today put a new assault weapon ban. Wouldn't change nothing. California's banning magazines, ammo. If you think about a gun, if you make a Pop-Tart gun, you're going to jail. It won't change shit. But to end the point, before we move on to the next subject, my friends, 
as long as PPFA and the NRA exist, we will never change anything on abortion other than at the state level, and you're not getting any guns. I had somebody tell me today, well, you should be registered to you. Well, you know why it's not? It's the same reason why you can't get 20-week ban. For progs who want to abort kids to their toddlers, if we give them that ban, they're going to ban abortion. For gun guys like me, the moment you register it and you know exactly where it is, which they do know, they go to the manufacturer, goes to the broker, the 4473 will say, I own this AR. It's on there, but they got to work to get it. They'd have to really do a lot of work to get that information. But a registration of guns means the next thing you know, the moment some liberal takes over, they're at my door and they're confiscating it. That's why the NRA doesn't back down. But that's evil. But killing babies isn't. You can't even add up the last 10 years of school shootings and get even close to the mechanical abortions, let alone the 1.5 million chemical you did in PPFA alone. Can't even get close. So, I, personally, objectively, as an independent, when I see somebody write down, PPFA, you have bloods on your blood on your hands, that's a true statement. They slice and dice babies and sell their bumpers to the highest bidder. When you say it about the NRA, you just look foolish. They're just an organization trying to stop you from taking everybody's gun. And it has nothing to do with kids getting shot. It has nothing to do with any of that. The media doesn't even care about it. It's about you controlling people you don't like. And it's because you don't understand guns. You don't like guns. So everybody has to do what you think. I'll register my AR the moment you admit abortion's murder. That'll never happen. So until then, go fuck yourself. We're moving on. This is a great article by Ben Dominic. Dear America, your news media absolutely hates you. I'm going to read it because it was really good. It'd be nice to say American media doesn't hate its country. It'd be nice to claim that the American press, while maintaining objectivity and balancing against bias, is still inherently American. That they are patriots who love this country, even as they report on its defects. Recall the quote from Daniel Patrick Moynihan with Ambassador of the United Nations. Am I embarrassed to speak for less than a perfect democracy? Not one bit. Find me a better one. Do I support... Do I suppose there are societies which are free of sin? No, I don't. Do I think ours is on balance, incomparably the most powerful set of human relations the world has? Yes, I do. Have we done obscene things? Yes, we have. How did our people learn about them? They learn about them in the newspaper, and that is important. But we cannot say these things when the American media time and time again illustrates an utter hatred for the nation and its people in those newspapers and on television. Having judged the American project kaput after the election of Donald Trump, they are now stooping on the level of defending North Koreans, perhaps the most brutal and heinous regime in the world today, thanks to some side-eye from a minister of propaganda, the sister of a brutal di dictator. 
If the headlines are to be believed, North Korea heading for diplomatic, diplomat, diplomacy gold medal at Olympics is a story American media want to tell about this moment. I wish this was an exaggeration. Witness this story from CNN, and we already read it. Other ones, CNN, Kim Jong-un's sister is stealing the show at the Winter Olympics, Yahoo, all swagger and smiles, Kim Jong-un's mysterious sister gets her star turn at Winter Olympics, Yahoo, Kim Yo-jong, North Korean political princess, BBC, Kim Jong-un's sister, sweet, but with a tomboy streak, Washington Post, the Ivanka Trump of North Korea, CNN, Ray Payton reports, Kim Yo-jong's brother is starving his own people in order to develop nuclear weapons he's threatening to use against the United States and other countries. But you might not know that about her based on these headlines. Yeah, that was just buried. Associated Press. At Olympic Games, Kim Jong-un's sister takes a VIP seat. Mm -hmm. Those skiers won't be the only North Korean forced to put on a show to make the regime look good. North Korea sent 229 young women dressed in identical outfits and colloquial known as the Army of Beauties to cheer on its Olympics. Then they link you to lipstick diplomacy. How was it received? Brian Seltzer. Headline says, Dear America, your news media absolutely hates you. False and sickening. B. Dominic, you should put down the broad brush and get to know some more journalists. Somebody responds, maybe you should put down the keyboard and get to know some more Americans. Mary Elizabeth. Actually, he's 100% correct, especially after this weekend. Get to know more regular people, Brian. Rob Eno, counter challenge. Get to know the American you degenerate denigrate, excuse me, on a daily basis by accusing them of living in a Fox-fueled alternative reality. Seltzer's beat is pretty much just painting people with a broad brush. His complaint here is fucking laughable. Did CNN ever use false and sickening to describe the North Korean regime this weekend, or did they only reserve that sort of talk for true monsters like B. Dominic? It's backed up by Andrew Sullivan's We All Live on Campus Now where he breaks down all the craziness that has now come to the forefront in his everyday life for America. He ends it, The goal of our culture now is not to emancipation of the individual from the group, but the permanent definition of the individual by the group. We used to call this bigotry. Now we call it being woke. You see, we're all on campus now. I want you to reflect upon... The last 18 months, basket of deplorables. If you're for immigration laws that are on the book, you're a xenophobe. If you didn't vote for Hillary, you're a fucking racist sometimes because you you black whitewashed America. You're a sexist for sure. If you criticized Obama, any policy, you're a racist. Over the last five years, if you didn't believe in gay marriage was a federal rule, federal business, because it's not, it's state law, you're a homophobe. If you didn't say Caitlyn Jenner, because you used to say in Bruce Jenner, you're a transphobe. 
And right now, if you own a gun, you killed kids, not only in Columbine, but all the way up to Connecticut and all the way down to Florida. It's your fault because you own a rifle. They're so hateful of America, at every turn, they say we're horrible because we think a drug dealer getting deported is a terrible thing. We think it's horrible that people are within our ranks sucking up the social framework and the social netting of the support system that we pay for and they don't in churches. Those are stories that all came out this week. There's not been a time in the last 18 months that I could turn on CNN, ABC, NBC, and CBS and not them not have them say to me, everything I believe is evil. They mock Christianity. I mean, for Christ's sake, Christianity is bad. It's bad. You believe in a higher being. You're a fucking moron. I mean, folks, it could get no worse. When their candidate didn't win and they got the egg on their face, they went after the American people. It's our fault. As Chris Cuomo once said, we need to tell you what's in WikiLeaks. Because we can look at it, but you can't. You're just a fucking commoner. And with these gun debates, every network said, I don't have the right to own an AR. Well, here's a news flash, Moonbats. I served for 20 years and I fought in the war on terror. I think I earned... My right under the Second Amendment to own whatever the fuck legal gun I want. This makes me want to go spend about the $3,000 to get a SOT license and own a fucking 240 machine gun. Just because. Put a picture on Facebook and a gigantic middle finger. I have no record. I'm not a fucking threat. It would just hang in the wall locker. Why? Because I want to. So yeah, North Korea, the military parade, the American people hate the majority of America. Because if you believe the popular vote consists of everyone who just believes in all this bullshit the left's putting out. You're full of shit. There's people that vote against Trump just like there are people like me who didn't like Trump and voted for him to vote against the other person. That's all it is. Amongst those are people who don't believe transgender is anything other than a mental disease. Amongst those, there are people that don't want abortions or pay for abortions or think you should abort your baby when it's a toddler. Among those are people who own ARs. How do I know that? I have liberal friends that own ARs and voted for Hillary. So the broad brush that that author brought out, it only pissed off Seltzer because he's such an arrogant 
elitists that he believes, like Chuck Todd and Chris Cuomo, that they are the only people that can broad brush America and say, you must believe like I do, or you're un-American. And back under the Bush era, I was told that was un-American. The freaking highest form of patriotism is dissent. So to all you elitists, I am dissented with about 90% of the lies you put out every day. I don't do fancy gifts, so you can't dox me. But even if you did, I could give no fucks. I would love you to dox a vet who's done nothing wrong other than disagree with you. That would be epic. To a music break and news, social media nuggets.
the media bubble one podcast at a time here's tony reed come fly with me let's fly let's fly away if you can use some exotic booze there's a bar in far bombay come on and fly with me let's fly let's fly away this this is this is something man this is this is our generation, man. All you people, we're all together, man. It's groovy. And dig yourselves, because it's really groovy. Now it's time for news and social media nuggets. The crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind. It's a whole new ball game on campus these days, and they call it PC. PC? Politically correct. And it's not just politics, it's everything. It's what you eat, it's what you wear, and it's what you say. If you don't watch yourself... Getting a buttload of trouble. For instance, right see these girls? Yeah. No, you don't. Those are women. You tell them girls and they'll pop your figs. Save the whales. Gays in the military now. What is the Marine Corps experience without a great moto boot tattoo? You know what this guy did at 19 on boot leaf? I slapped myself down in a chair and I got Semper Fidel's tattooed across my back and I've never looked back. Military.com interviewed the Commandant of the Marine Corps, General Robert Neller, this past December and the topic of tattoos came up. Tattoos are just a strong part of the culture and identity of any sailor or man of the sea. But Neller is not budging. And there is no time off for Marines. He even went on to say, this is not an episode of Vikings where we're tattooing our face. First and go, Vikings! We're not a biker game. <laughs> We're not in a rock and roll band. We're not Adam Levine. We're not Adam Levine. Now, to combat this, I believe that Marines should get legal, authorized tattoos that fit the rules, but push the envelope of creativity. For example, you can get Pogue Life tattooed across your belly. You can get cross rifles above your pea shooter. You can get a tramp stamp of General Mattis pulling a hand grenade out of your butt crack. You could tattoo your weenie into a green weenie. You can get a tramp stamp of the 1st Marine Division. So you see my moto tattoo, all right? I shared that with you. That's an intimate experience. Now, I want to see yours. Post them down below. Comment them below. Mail them to me at patrickpasspurpose.com. Send them to us on Instagram. Thank you, God. Pretty good intro there by the Marine Corps guy, the Commandant. I'm not a Marine Corps person, so I just wanted to play him. Uh, U.S. drone destroyed a Russian-made T-72 battle tank. It's self-defense in Syria. That's pretty cool. The next one's not very cool. U.S. strike killed scores of Russian fighters in Syria. Sources say the 200-plus dead dwarf official Russian toll in the war. U.S. forces killed scores of Russian mercenaries in Syria. There were contract soldiers. There was uh, the official put the death toll at fighting about 100 with 200 to 300 injured. Not a lot of coverage on it. And Russia hasn't spoke, but they're contract guys. So, once again, they're working for the wrong side. Go fuck themselves. Task and Purpose had numerous anti-parade ones, because remember, these are all cast-offs. They used to serve, but they used to also be in the New York Times of WAPO. 
25 things other than the parade was one of them. Manning to run operations, quicker response time to post-traumatic, I agree with that. Actual new parent support, lactation consults, really. Military housing is not full of mold. Support the new bills Tim Kaine just announced to help with military spouse unemployment. You see who did this. Not letting after-duty DACA members get screwed. Uh, more school support staff in schools. A housing allowance that actually allows for housing. Stop covering up for the fact that contaminated water. Removal of the privatization of the military. The military housing should not be for profit. It was all lib all the time. Comments in the article show how, just like our previous segment, the media doesn't know anybody. These vets don't know vets. To those arguing over funding, in 1995, Trump helped pay... And for raise funds for World War II Vet Day. And he goes into that. Next one. The people of this country are far too detached to the military. Many don't even know a soldier personally and have absolutely no idea what their tax dollars are buying. A parade like this will give the whole country a chance to see the military up close. But the people in the hardware that most people only know from snippets on the news. For many, it will be the first and only glimpse of real military equipment, an awe-inspiring sight that will very likely leave a lasting impression. And frankly, our soldiers deserve the recognition that will go along with a high-profile event like this. I went through a hundred comments... Nobody agree with them. This one's a positive. Feud over service dog ends after American Airlines settles, settles lawsuit with a veteran and says, we're sorry. Another one, Tom Hanks wants veterans to audition for his next war movie. It's going to be about the C.S. Forrester. Army to, com- to combat advisors. You're not special forces now. Here's a brown beret. Uh, we covered back in the summer, there was a big... Flubbub, they wanted to make advisors and kind of bring back some noms type stuff. And they would have a special headgear. We're all about the headgear now for these new millennial type soldiers. And, the you know, of course, Special Forces got fucking bent. And I would too because they earned that green beret. And so now they get them brown berets. I didn't research where the brown beret came from. I thought it was tankers. But I could be wrong. The Army plans on overhauling basic training to focus on more disciplined, physically fit soldiers. I thought that was fantastic. It goes through. They're going to get a lot more training on first aid. And it was all done off interviews they did with line soldiers and how unprepared these kids were. The reality is we're at war footing. Whether the libs want to believe that or not, we've been fighting since 2001. When they get to the unit, they need to be able to go to war. And they clearly can't now. All right? They can't go to war. So... They're going to revamp this shit and fix it out. A stupid one that I thought was funny, so I'm doing it. Six reasons why coffee is the lifeblood of the military. Anybody who's been around a soldier when they're in uniform or seen a movie, for Christ's sake, it's really, really big coffee. It's life or juice, and everybody has their thing. I was a coffee guy. Um, of course, I wasn't foo-foo over there because foo-foo really wasn't that much of a deal back then. It was 2000, for Christ's sake, or 2002. Um, we didn't have a Starbucks anywhere near us. And literally, every morning having a mocha was the bomb. 
All right, I would get my cocoa packet from AMRE and collect up two or three of the crappy taster choice, dig a little hole even in a perimeter when we're supposed to have light discipline, cover that fucker up, put some heat tabs, and make me some mocha, and that was my sex in Afghanistan. Even for a while, they brought us Tabasco drink. I swear to God, that's what it was. It was just hot sauce they put hot water in, and it was the best thing I ever had. Just because I was so fucking cold. And we had no hot anything. A's. Nothing. It was MREs and bottled water for about the first 80 days over there. Because everything was flown in. Still that way for Afghanistan. Can't drive shit over because the warlords got shit. So, um, this article is pretty funny. One, everyone meets at the coffee pot like everybody else. We get very little sleep. Something warm in the field is nice, just like I said. It's a reminder back home. No, it's not. It's a little break from reality. The military is a very high-speed piece of machinery. Really, you run from point A to B, over to C, back to B, ask why you're at, aren't at D, and get there only to realize everyone's at C. That was funny. And it just tastes good. That is horse shit. Horse fucking shit. Army coffee's fucking horrible. They boil water, throw grounds in it, and splash cold water, which tosses the grounds to the bottom, they pour it out and don't bring the sludge with it and warm it back up. It's rancid. But I didn't give a fuck. It was warm. And last but not least, the New Yorker, being the liberal rag it is, did a review of 1517 to Paris, Heroes with Mass Shooters. That's what they call it. They likened them to terrorists that were blowing up the goddamn, were trying to blow up the train. So that, that, that goes back to the beginning of this with the parade. Please. Please. The left doesn't want the parade because they fucking hate soldiers. So on to our college crazy. Five arrested after protest at UW Patriot Pair. Prayer rally. Police arrested five people Saturday after protesters confronted a group of right-leaning demonstrators invited by the University of Washington College Republicans. UW had initially tried to charge CRs a 17,000 security fee because they didn't want any conservatives on their goddamn campus. And of course, Antifa attacked them, and that didn't make the press because the press loves Antifa. UW Stout students must appreciate social differences to graduate. It's a course requirement now. Six credits, global perspectives. Cover topic, topics like appreciation for diverse voices and how globalized capitalism and neoliberalism contribute to global inequities. Are you fucking shitting me? That sounds like brainwashing. Oh, wait a minute. It's college. Snapchat pick prompts mandatory diversity training. Somebody put something, and it was a member holding a banana peel. Banana peel again insulted black people because banana peels somehow have to do with monkeys. And I once again go back. You're the racist, and you think every banana peel you do. CNN's got a banana peel. Are they racist? Oh, no, you like them. Okay. Socialist students protest memorial to fallen police officer. California State University Fullerton had a protest Wednesday against a memorial for fallen police officers. CR members expressed disappointment that the socialist group would seek to politicize the event, which was also designed to give students an opportunity to interact with campus police and stop realizing they're not a bunch of fuckheads. 
liberals ruin everything. Cal Poly wants out-of-state students to fund diversity grants. So now we are upset about immigration, and we want clean DACA, but technically you don't live in my state, so I'm going to fuck you with more fees. Holy sheep shit. Did you hear what you just said, folks? They're American. Oh, wait a minute. They're not from my state. Oh, okay. Borders must matter for finance, huh? You fucking hypocrites. Dartmouth students accused of violence for op-ed on diversity. A Dartmouth college student opined uh, gender bias on a trip planning committee. Ryan Spector alleged that trips decor directorate selected 15 women and 4 men because of his extreme application of diversity policy, earning him condemnation from more than 30 campus organizations. What does it say about your your campus if you have 30 organizations, but you don't have a football team? Okay. Journalist calls for a professor to drown conservatives. Jesse Ferrier. They shouldn't do that. It's not right. They should hold the conservative student's head underwater until they stop breathing instead. I am not joking. That's his tweets. He'll say he was joking. He has tenure, so it doesn't really fucking matter. But, yeah, that's pretty fucking bad. Mill Valley teacher alleged sexual harassment by students. Her name is Eva Ryder, and she's from Tampalas High School. And it's time my story's told. Kids have been touching me, groping me, and everything. It's 2018, and this is a thing, she said. The kids know what it is. It's neglect, negligent of us to not pay attention to this. I'm being sexually harassed by teenagers. It's like my daughter. Every social cars, she's got to be with it. you got to put it on Facebook. The next one's from a high school. San Raymond High School pulls national anthem from rallies. It was voted by the liberal student body. No adult said, hey, this is America. Get the fuck over it. They just went with it. Hmm. Okay. Saying husband and wife violates Christian dignity, school says. A page on the University of Dayton's website recommends that students avoid using gendered language, including husband and wife. The university describes the guide as an educational resource rather than a policy or guide, but sophomore Peron Takagagagin fears it sets a dangerous precedent that would lead to a future where words are stripped of their meaning. Husband and wife offends you. Cohabitants. I'm going to start calling my wife. Hello, cohabitants. I love you. Can we have sex? Oh, wait a minute. Me too. Professor uses N-words. Students shout F-U. Free speech class canceled at Princeton. Not reading anything else. That's perfect. It was a free speech class. They wanted to try to do it. And it just... He put out a salvo to say, These are words. Yeah, they're offensive. Use the context. Articulate how to overcome it without going to your safe space. The first N-word came out, fuck you, and they left. Millennials. To Black Panther. Black Panther is coming out like it is the greatest movie ever made. Um, if you don't go see it, you're a fucking racist. And there's a lot of hot takes from it. This one, uh, Black Hero is a main character, Spawn, Blade, Axel Foley, and many others say hi. This takes enough NBC Black is super hot. 
This movie will prove to the colonialists that if they had not interfered with Africa, we'd be so far advanced. At the Black Panther world premiere, actor John Connie spoke with us about the importance of this film. That is NBC, the national broadcasting channel black website. Yeah. That's not racist. Okay. Neon Taser, early contender for my favorite Black Panther tank. But then it gets worse. The white man never came and priceless alien metal existed in our country due to meteor crashing Earth. Africa would be the most developed place on the planet, some black person said. But the next person took it to the next level. Marvel misses another easy opportunity for the LGBTQ representation with Black Panther. That's real. That's a real tweet from some gay group, which brought out the snark. Neon Taser again. My favorite Marvel villain is Captain Intersectionality. <laughs> Diddly Squat. Let's finally make a movie about a black superhero with a black director with a nearly all-black cast and then get upset that it isn't gay. Sweet Land Beverage Recovery Fee. That's his handle. You can never be woke enough. Cam Edwards sums it up. Nobody can win the gold in Woke Olympics. And Brad Sager sticks the knife in the heart. Yes, and vegans. They weren't represented either. And the handicapable, such as Missed Opportunity, and those celiac disease sufferers. <laughs> so... I had completed this segment, and I thought, okay, that's about as all we can do on Black Panther. Oh, fucking no. The New York Times took to the next letter level. They investigate if white children can wear the Black Panther, Panther mask. Could be perceived as unwitting form of cultural appropriation, the author writes. Many parents are split on how Black Panther's blackness should figure into their children's relationship to the character. Yeah. Who's allowed to wear a Black Panther mask? It shows a black child looking at a white kid buying the last Black Panther because he's poor. Because all black people are poor, the New York Times says. Which I don't understand that, but maybe you're the racist, but okay. And how horrible it is that that white kid took the last one. That's, that's the picture. When I look at it, I see no reason why a kid who's not black can't dress like a Black Panther. Vimeo HR director Katrina Jones told the Times... Just like our kids who's not white dresses up like Captain America. I think the beautiful thing about comics is they do transcend race. Another parent admitted it was necessary for a white kid to be open and judge based on the character's story and the personality and history. Even Black Panther star Chad McBosom claimed he's thrilled at the prospect of children black and white dressing over. But not the times. They show that maybe we shouldn't do that. Maybe black kids shouldn't. White people have the privilege of not constantly being reminded of the race in the United States, where white is a majority, whereas a black person you can't. Texas Woman University Associate Professor Bridget Vitrup, a.k.a. Race Hustler, told the Times, In the end, sanity almost appears to prevail as the author timidly admits to wear a Black Panther mask isn't the same thing as wearing blackface. Don't you think? It's a fucking comic. But showing... Everybody is shooting for the gold for wokeness. This is also a real thing. From Reuters. Glass ceiling for dogs? Males win Westminster almost twice as often. Stephen Miller sums up my feelings. God, we're really doing this? 
They did a whole article, a whole article about how female dogs can't win because of the dogriarchy. I don't think you call it the matriarchy, do you? I don't know. Is there one for dogs? Patriarchy, matriarchy, I don't know what the fuck we call it. It's dogs. But yeah, yeah, they did that. That's a real thing. Taxpayers fund porn literacy class for Boston High School. They may basically let these kids watch it. The grant program to address children and youth experiencing dating, violence, and sexual assault. Project targets black and Latino youth aged 11 to 18 in Boston are affected by dating violence and sexual violence. They rate it on the following. Gender, sexuality, aggression, con- consent, race, queer sex, relationship, body image are portrayed, or in this case, consent not portrayed in porn. The class, which began in 2016, was created by Boston University School of Public Health Associate Professor Emily Rothman. Read articles from her. And Start Strong, Nicole DeLay, and Jess Alder. According to Rothman, the curriculum takes the approach that teaching adolescents to analyze this message is far more effective than simply wishing our kids could live in a porn-free world. I hope there's a parental consent form somewhere in this process. Because if not, sweet fucking Jesus. If my kids were watching gay porn, anal sex, rape sex, and all this other shit, I would lose my fucking mind and sue the living shit out of these people. The living shit. But it's everywhere. New Apple Media is set to introduce PC series about immigrants. Your phone, your iPhone, is going to start pushing you little vignettes on how hard it is to be an immigrant. Even though your great-grandparents and grandparents and everybody else that came here already know that. That's why your life is so good. You need to be reminded that even though you're an immigrant, you're fucking white. It doesn't count. Homeland season premiere takes on paranoid fascist president. Oh, we're not shadowing anything. A great study came up. Elite tech are worried about tech addiction. Are you sure? I've been covering it for two fucking years. A terrible story. Three die and others hurt in a Grand Canyon helicopter crash. It fell down in the canyon. It took them a long time to get them out. It's really sad. I have a soundbite. I'm not going to play it. But people are flying to Hawaii. And if you heard the soundbite, the way they say Hawaii... It's just, let me, I'm going to play it through the speaker, because I was laughing my fucking ass off this. This is an emergency landing, and let me crank up the volume. A round of applause for a safe landing after what some passengers called the scariest moment of their lives. United Airlines Flight 1175 was on its way from San Francisco to Honolulu today when the starboard engine covering came off somewhere over the Pacific Ocean. Our Joe Beth Devera is here with the video tonight. Joe Beth. Thanks, Keahi. The 23-year-old aircraft was packed with 373 people on board. Passengers say it all started with a loud boom. Then the engine rattled like an unbalanced washing machine until they landed in Honolulu just after one. I'm sorry, it was Honolulu. Now, I want you to know everybody in there was white. They're not, they're not Polynesian or Islander. But they're fucking white. And that is one of my hugest pet peeves. Hugest, which isn't even a word, but when they go, Santa Maria, and you're trying to roll your R's, you're a fucking white person, shut up! 
Jesus. U.S. wants to privatize the International Space Station. Everybody's dogging it. I think it's a great idea because if we can launch fucking Teslas up and Obama kill the space program, well, what the fuck? This is the sad irony, and I'm not trying to make fun of this because this is horrible, but a couple sells everything. They buy a sailboat. It sinks day two, and they lose it all. They were rescued, but that's just fucking horrible. Goats are replacing humans and caddies in Eastern Oregon golf course. They got a picture of these goats in the snow, and they have these like Sherpa backpacks. And they're fucking hauling. I just, I just fucking went Oregon. What is wrong with you? In the weird category, invasive twenty-pound rodents, and these are the uh, what the fuck are that? Nutra are like rat fucking California. Eating through water lines, everything. Um, they're weighing up to 20 pounds, 2 feet 6 inches long, with a 12 inch tail. That's a big ass rat. Alongside this article was, Humongous wild boar dubbed Pigzilla caught rummaging through bins just a few feet from a few feet from primary school, and this was over in England, and these motherfuckers were the size of the garbage can. Those weren't pigs. They were Pigzilla. Fucking scary. In the funny category, Poo Watch enters 24th day as a drug suspect refuses to take a dump. The person had the drugs, and they literally go through it. London gang, nominal arrested for failing to stop police on day one. Day 21, three weeks for our man on Poo Watch. Still no movement, item to report. He will remain with us until Friday. We are back at court where we'll be requesting a further eight days. Should not produce anything before the hearing. Day 22, the male still does not use the toilet. 23, no comment. Nothing further to report on day 24. This dude will not take a shit. It's in his stomach. And he won't take a shit. And I just think it's funny as shit. Eventually you're going to have to shit, bro. Funny as shit. That was kind of ironic, wasn't it? (laughs) And that takes us to our lighter fare. So a local news uh, and WLS Channel 7 in Chicago decided to abbreviate Pyeongchang with P.F. Chang. And I thought that shit was super, super funny because you're like, dude, you can't be that dumb. P.F. Chang's a fucking restaurant. I mean, seriously, man. Seriously. Seriously, seriously, seriously. But I have two sound bites. The first one is going to be peak 2018. A school is literally talking about banning the use of the phrase BFF. Because best friends forever alienates people, they say. It's not inclusive. So kids can't say it. The second was on Vice. And I saw the end of this and I was just shocked. That they thought this was the best thing ever. But this shows that, you know, the fact is, many people are racist. It's just not the white people. This is a documentary that they had, Healing Retreats. And it's for people who need a break from the crackers. 
Best friend is the person who's always there for you and one that you share all your secrets and your exploits with. But now there is a growing movement to ban best friends. What's this about, Ellie? Okay. What? Yeah, what? Okay, so the movement isn't a ban on friendship per se. It's just geared toward having children broaden their friendship circles and become more inclusive. And it's a move a lot of educators think goes in the right direction. Who's your best friend? Sarah. There's been a movement in some American schools and European schools to ban the phrase best friend. My daughter's 13 years old. She has best friends. They change by the day the same way she changes her socks. Rumored to have first started in Prince George's South London school. This push to break up best friends is catching on, says clinical psychologist Dr. Barbara Greenberg. The idea of banning the phrase. This is like heaven right now. Yeah. Alexis Bromley is from Nebraska. She needed a break from white people. In Omaha, it's very segregated. It's, um, it can be very isolating if you're a person of color. It's hard in Nebraska because it's a red state. And so you just don't know who you interact with on a daily basis, if they believe that you're lesser, if you're inferior, and how that, in turn, can affect me. She says the current political climate has only made these feelings worse. So she decided to go on a women of color healing retreat in Costa Rica. Hi, such beautiful smiles. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for coming. My blackness is bold. My blackness is uninhibited. My blackness is strength. The idea is simple. For 10 days, black women come together to eat vegan food, meditate, do yoga. The breath in is the reminder that we are safe. And to discuss the frustrations of being black in America. It's like a mental game all the time. And I'm in these spaces where, you know, constantly getting poked and prodded. Oh, let me touch your hair. Oh, you're really pretty for a black girl. Black people don't exercise. Black people don't hike. People are automatically going to have this perception of me before I even open my mouth. So many people's ideologies are being validated that don't see us as human, that don't see us as people. This retreat is one of more than a dozen Black-owned travel groups, marketing trips specifically to people who look like Alexis. In the few years that most of these companies have been open, more and more clients are calling them up. At least five say they've seen a spike in interest coinciding with Trump's election. The idea of Black women reclaiming control over their own mind, body, and spirit is exactly what's needed to survive in a system that constantly tells us that our wellness isn't important. We stopped taking care of ourselves because we were taught you don't matter. The retreat is the brainchild of Andrea X, a former Brooklynite turned expat. I left the United States because I was sick of gentrification, racism, um, just dealing with being this black woman, trying to figure it out there. It was 2014, and she just lost her job as a healthcare facilitator. What started off as a vacation in Costa Rica became her entire new life. She used all of her personal savings to form this retreat. We needed a safe space that was outside in the United States to hold certain conversations and just a hill. I don't think that we can do that in the United States. I think that we're suffering and suffocating and just dying every single day trying to survive there. Yeah, not every woman can afford to go out to Costa Rica. What can we do for the racism they experience, for women who can't afford to be part of your retreat? I think that it's important for people in the United States, black and POC people, to start forming their own spaces there. Easier said than done. White Americans find themselves in white-only meetings and places all the time, without even trying or noticing. When black people want a break from feeling like a minority, 
they often have to make an effort. Alexis made the effort, and it cost her $2,222. But for her and several other women, that's a reasonable price to pay for a retreat that bans white people. Would having yeah. white people on this trip ruin it? I'd have my money back. Yeah, I don't think we would be as open and as honest as we are with the group that we're in now. Yeah. Do you all feel like you've been stereotyped? One thing I always got is you're so well-spoken. And I don't think people understand how much it's how insulting that is. What else would you expect from me? I'm curious if it's been no different for you since it was, it was <laughs> the election of President Trump. We're black. We knew that racism has been around, but it's a bit more in our face now. It's made me had to pivot my interactions with people and like you know people who actually support Trump. Yeah. Like I can't trust you on friendship level, family level, any level, if you actually are supporting someone that, you know, is completely racist. Is some of that anxiety what you feel you need to heal from here? We're looking for ways to uh, coping mechanisms, Mm -hmm. you know, and ways to take care of ourselves Mm -hmm. because we're not on the agenda. Do you feel like you've increasingly lost the ability to see any shot at a relationship with white people every time i have a conversation with them i just pick up on certain things that they say whatever i pick up on the microaggressions the passive aggressiveness i pick up on it so i decided one day to just eliminate white people from my personal life and ever since then my life has been way more breezy do you think it's at all possible that the fact that white racism white people have sort of made you leave the u.s start your whole life over somewhere else feel the need to avoid them means that they've they've won they didn't push me out the united states because if that's the case they could push me out of any of these countries because they are here they're everywhere you know i feel like white people shouldn't even have passports because they've done enough especially white americans leave them in the united states they do not need to come here they do not they should be even able to travel they need to stay in the united states but to a white person who's doing their best to be the best white person they can be I have no tips for a white person. My tip to white people is to let us have our space, let us have our room, and go hang out with other white people. We're okay. You know, you've done enough damage. This retreat, much to Andrea's dismay, is held at a white-owned resort. That doesn't bother the retreat participants. They haven't cut white people out full-time. But 20 minutes down the road, Andrea and a business partner have quietly invested nearly $100,000 to build up their own private retreat space. This is where we'll have the workshops. Is this just like a long con to start building your own black nation out in the middle of Ghost Creek? It is. It is. (laughs) Starting with yoga, next is going to be like a mini-government. I don't want to have a mini-government. But at the same time, it will be a community of just, like, black people living here. What would you say to someone who's, like, you know, it's nice as this sounds like paradise for black people. In some ways, like, it's motivated by the same hate that white people who want to create white nations and white spaces have. Um, I would say it, it doesn't have anything to do with them. This is about us healing our community. Is it practical to create a black nation in the middle of a jungle? Or to chase all white people off your property? Probably not, and most black people don't want to do that. But the feelings of isolation that drove Andrea to build her own community aren't that different from what drove Alexis to this retreat in the first place. Andrea has completely given up on the U.S. I don't blame her. 
I have been places outside of the U.S. where I have felt more at home and more included than I have ever in my community. Is that an upsetting thing? You know, you say it with like this serene face, but to like go visit somewhere that you're not a citizen of and feel more at home than you do in your own country. Yeah, that's reality. Um, Unfortunately, that's the reality. Yeah. Seriously, flip the script on that bullshit and see how far that goes. Somebody out there on the left, oh, they do it all the time, it's called the KKK. Yeah, they don't make documentaries about it and say it's woke. And I'll close on a serious one, as I do on every one of my podcasts. There's always something serious. I I believe Dems hate America for past sins, and they hate that there are people in the country that don't think like them. I believe progs hate soldiers. Which kind of gets quantified on this show all the time from the parade to the salt, the professor or whatever. And I totally believe because of political leanings and the fact that they just think all conservatives with a broad brush vote for the right. They fucking hate Christians. I want you to think if a show, and this is about to be the view, did a segment about Islam. Buddhist, atheist, it would not be over CNN, WAPO, New York Times, it'd be front page, just like Rush Limbaugh saying, Sandra flukes a slut. But this was okie dokie for ABC to air midday. What's interesting is that she said that um, Jesus tells Mike Pence things to say. Um, when was she around I mean, Mike Pence, though? Well, because obviously she was around him because she she knows more uh, a lot more than I think that, that we all know about Mike Pence. But I, what I do know about Mike Pence is I went to law school in Indiana. He is a hated figure there, actually. He's not very popular at all. And I think when you have a Mike Pence that now sort of puts this religious veneer on things and calls people values voters, I think we're in a dangerous situation. Look, I'm Catholic. I, I'm a faithful person. But I don't know that I want my vice president, um, you well, know, speaking in tongues and having Jesus right. speak Like to I it. said before, I don't know if I want It's that. one thing to talk to Jesus. It's another thing when Jesus talks to you. Exactly. Okay, well. That's different. If I'm not correct, I'm I'm hearing voices. How is the Trump administration a values-driven administration? I mean, we have talking about being values in a lot of times. I don't reference to being pro-life. I don't assume you said you were. I don't see the values of that administration with Rob Porter beating that in the political term of what it means is being valuing life. That is a it is a old term that's been used in politics. No, Megan, that's not true. Values-driven means not only being pro-life. It means being pro um, uh, marriage. It means being pro having good pro values. Compassion, it means pro, pro compassion, pro empathy. You know exactly, pro empathy. So many things. It's that not goes only about uh, pro life. And the bottom line is, this administration is not a values driven administration. You have too early people so beating each other's wives. Because I think that I think that <laughs> I don't want to. I don't know how to say this in a way that doesn't sound disrespectful. But I understand if you're a liberal, obviously you have certain problems with Mike Pence. Obviously, like we we see the world through very different veneers but i think sort of why am sitting i around i just assumed you were because that's not very great assumption. Assumption. the word assume okay <laughs> <laughs> well there's, there's very few you things me. you've said on this show that show me i apologize you are conservative i guess i don't i don't you know what she's I'm just not i'm not in this fight today on Un-
freaking believable. And why? Pence. So we close how we start. All because of this administration. It's vogue again to bash Christians. It's kind of like living through Bush all over again. So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please feel free to share this with family and friends. Send comments by emailing F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. FOP podcast at gmail.com you can get this show on soundcloud podcast edit tune in radio google play itunes blueberry and stitcher remember to check out the flyover politic webpage at foppodcast.com foppodcast.com it's a theme to see links to feeds for the show to see links to our facebook page and email there you'll also see a link to every episode on the episode release page of my blog on the blog page shooting for another podcast on the 18th of February, year of our Lord, 2018, and it will be incredibly shorter than this one. I know these last two have been three and a half hours plus, but it's been a lot to cover in a week. I hope every one of you stay safe out there. Have a good Friday, which is, I'm assuming is when you're going to be listening to this. A great weekend. Disconnect from your iPods, your iPhones, your iPads, your i-everything. I guess nobody really has iPods anymore, but you know what I meant. And give undivided attention to your family and friends. And as we once again go back into the tussled world of politics, people hating on each other on Twitter. Remember, this is the greatest country in the frickin' world. We have our faults. Nothing is perfect. But as you read things as I have on your Twitter timeline, and everybody is just full-fledged saying America sucks, and Philip Mudd's going on CNN because he's a woke hero that hates Trump, but he worked for the FBI. So he's a government official saying America sucks. Just ignore him. We got it really good. I've been all over the world. I've seen a lot of countries. Nothing comes close to America. Nothing. So enjoy it and enjoy your family. And as always, thanks for listening and take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Make sure to check out our webpage at F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T dot com. Until next time, remember it's a short ride. Make every day count. <laughs>